0: Back to the Sonic Cloth. We are back from a very extended break uh, and at this rate (laughs) we're probably never going to get anywhere but that's kind of the premise of the show anyway. Um, The farther you go down the rabbit hole, the more side rabbit holes you end up getting lost in. So um, the reason for the pause is I recently moved out to Seattle from uh, the Hellscape of Phoenix and uh the move has kind of calmed down a bit so i'm trying to get this wagon back on its wheels a bit and kind of like push forward with some new episodes but on this one we're kind of continuing the work that we started on the last episode um we're going to be talking about riffs we're going to be talking about hard rock we're going to be talking about spacey uh jams psychedelic rock and uh kind of all the other qualities that we expect from big riff music And because this is part two of uh, uh, this episode, we've titled Rift City. I've got once again my my fellow brother in rock with me, Clayton. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: What's up, dude? How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for coming back and uh, uh, bearing with me on the on the timeline for this one. I know it's it's been like almost two months now.
1: Oh no 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 don't no 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 pressure at all. I'm I was slacking off for a bit myself. So but uh, happy to be back. Happy to be doing this.
0: Have you just been listening to uh, nothing but riffs for the past two months, or were you like, "All right, I've fucking out, I've outdone this thing with the riffs. I need to some <laughs> other some other music in my life right now."
1: My listening habits recently have been pretty pretty varied, kind of like all over the place. But because you and I had these tracks picked, like I don't know, I feel like it's been a month or something like that, at least, or yeah, for, at probably. least several weeks. So like, and and fortunately enough for me, they're mostly for the most part bands that I'm pretty familiar with and so but i did get to revisit some a lot of cool shit um i'm super stoked about this episode i hope your listeners will be too i think it's going to be a good one so
0: yeah you know the last the last episode we did we called rift city the Masters, so that's really a spotlighting the uh what we think are the important noteworthy you know purveyors of like you know seven mostly 70s rock hard rock Proto metal, kind of heavy psych rock, heavy blues, that kind of thing. Um, some prog rock as well, but but kind of the, the less dainty kind and the more kind of, uh, you know, rock oriented kind. Um, <laughs> did you go any farther down like that, that 70s rabbit hole after that episode? Uh, discover anything new that maybe we left out?
1: No, no, not that I can think of. Um, there was always like a few like, oh shit, we didn't talk about this band or, oh, we didn't talk about this band. But then I kept circling back to like a lot of these bands that I was thinking of are bands that are probably already in the mainstream knowledge of your, you know, of your, of your listeners and fans. So there wasn't like a, a deeper cut from any band that I can think, oh wow, I wish I would have included this. I mean, I think you and I are kind of the same. Like if you give us forever, to create a track list it will take us forever you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like it will we won't stop we won't stop curating until it's we'll drive ourselves crazy with this shit so um, uh, but no 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 what about you
0: the one thing for me was like oh damn i really should have picked a Hawkwind track here because uh, and i think yeah. i realized that only after i started working on this episode where i'm like damn there's like in the last 20 years been a lot of like spacey like, heavy psych rock shit, and, like, that comes from a lot of places, but, like, Hawkwind is uh, definitely, like, uh, a through line with a lot of these bands, and Mm -hmm. Hawkwind is, like, you know, it's not the deepest cut in the world. I mean, your average person doesn't know Hawkwind, for sure, Mm -hmm. but, like, your average rock fan who's, like, into, you know, like, heavier stuff, like, probably knows Hawkwind, at least knows the name. Yeah. And like why why they're important. So I I, I go at, and looking back like in hindsight I'm like shit man we should have we should have thrown Hawkwind in there. Also
1: one one of one of the one of the one of the great band names I think ever of all time. Hawkwind. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean that and I was going to say that too about one of the bands on our playlist today but I'll I'll say that that bit. So, but yeah, dude, good call on that. Yeah,
0: that was the, that was the only big one that I think. But you know today like what we're what we're doing kind of today and referencing the masters is kind of looking to the last 15 20 maybe 25 years mm-hmm. um of riff music to kind of find out like what's been brewing yeah. um and and that you know the the stipulation here is basically like we're kind of avoid trying to avoid like the 90s as much as possible I mean we dip we dip in there once I think mm-hmm. but um it's the it's like later in the 90s so it, you know. When Most people, as they say 90s, they're, they're kind of referring to the first like six, five, six years of the decade, right? Uh-huh. Um, but, um, you know, I, I would say like, you know, just in my regular listening, my, my interest in like rock, heavy rock music in the, for the last like 15 years or so or longer. Like I would say like the spirit of those original hard rock bands is like very much alive today, um, both with bands that are kind of drawing directly from that sound. Um, And kind of trying to even transport people back to like a time and a place like in a very, I don't know, retro way, you know, even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's bands that are kind of using the style as a framework for like exploring other shit, like other types of sonics and combining it with other sounds, especially combining it with like more modern sounds. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wanted to get your your take on this, but because that's kind of been my my broad view observation is you have like the stuff that's like distinctly retro. And that can be and that shit can be really, really good. And that shit can be really bad. And then Mm -hmm. you have you have the other stuff where it's like more of a framework or starting point. And then they're Mm -hmm. bringing in they're bringing in stuff from other types of music into like a a 70s hard rock kind of framework.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I think the ingredients are the same. There's just kind of like more of them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the things that the the hallmarks are like the defining characteristics, like the essence of that riff heavy rock that we were talking about last episode, it's still there. It's just ratcheted it up like several notches at this point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's several decades of just dudes toying with like fuzz and wah and rotary and, uh, tape delays, electronics, and just creating these, you know, huge walls of, of like psychedelic sound. I, I went to psychedelia because, you know, I think that our, our, um, uh, playlist today is uh pleasantly quite full of that I mean it's yeah. just it's just the kind of influence that permeates so much of what of what we listen to but but yeah you know I, I mean I think that there are bands on this tracklist today especially that embody kind of both um there are bands who are like I think I called them revivalist kind of bands before and I know that that can kind of have a negative connotation I don't really mean it negatively though it obviously can be negative and I think we talked about it like in the last episode, you know, there are people on this playlist who are, you know, just definitely born in the wrong decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <they're>, yeah. <laughs> and 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 they're self and they're and they're fucking music nerds and they're celebrating the music that they love and they're and they're doing a fucking great job of it. And they're, you know, in various ways, ways that I'm probably unqualified to speak about, like introducing little twists or little or modernizing different aspects of that sound. So uh, yeah, but once we get into the track list. I'll be able to be a little more specific. I think about what I'm talking about, but but yeah, that's my general sense. It's like you know the the key ingredients of the sound are still there. We're just you know we just we just added a few more tablespoons. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. That's just a way more succinct way way of putting it than than what I was saying before. Um, if I'm kind of like uh, starting at the '70s or the tail end of the '70s. Um, and then kind of like going forward up until today, like the, the way I was kind of thinking about this was, um, it seems to me that the eighties killed like a lot of this stuff, like straight up Mm -hmm. and the nineties, excuse me. And, and kind of the first decade of the two thousands, like big riffy rock kind of just like meandered for a long time, um, in the mainstream, especially for sure. But I think in in some parts of the underground as well, Mm -hmm. and I think in part, because um, there were all these other styles of rock that were being like trotted out, you know, like you had like punk and post-punk and like uh, outright metal, like, you know, Metallica in the 80s, uh, shoegaze music. Yeah, it, it, all the different kinds of indie alternative rock, shoegaze, all that stuff, mm-hmm. big, even big stadium rock. Um, mm-hmm. None of those like subgenres were really rooted in like... Uh, you know, guitar, bass, drums, like s- simplicity. I mean, I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were rooted in that, but um, they weren't pulling from. They were ignoring your Thin Lizzies and your Deep Purple's. You have to be honest, because that just wasn't the shit that they were li- that they were interested in or listening to, or even on their radar. Mm-hmm. Even though you know there was some contingent of fools from the '70s who are just loved that stuff and just never stopped loving that stuff like throughout. And it probably felt super disconnected. I'm like modern music. Yeah. Um, but there was like a moment in, I wanted to bring this up. There was a moment in the early two thousands where bands like, uh, the hives and wolf mother white stripes, uh, the vines, all Mm. these, like the, the bands, (laughs) um, it kind of became like, it kind of became like the radio rock that like replaced a lot of the new metal that was really on its way out. Um, and now I guess his back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um it, it, But this stuff this stuff was kind of more it, well, you, let me know what you think. I think this stuff was more rooted in garage rock and like the Stooges, mm-hmm. um, than it or even like shit from the nineties, like Nirvana, than it was like these big dinosaur rock bands in the seventies, but it was like uh it was kind of like a riff. There was like some riffs, you know, mm-hmm. amongst these bands. I'm not saying they're great riffs. I'm not saying they're bad either. I'm just saying like it, it you know, something, something came back during that time and just, and I'm talking only about the mainstream. I'm going to get into the underground in a bit here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no, I think you like, I think you're like 100% right on about the, you know, that kind of dead period in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. Like, um, you know, you're it's, it's it's just a period of time where like I I don't have a list of bands in front of me like you'd be hard-pressed to think of bands that originated during that time that really celebrated the riff, you know. Like all of those genres and subgenres and everything that you just described and that really took hold took root in the 80s and 90s and were celebrated and more popular and stuff. Like those are, you know, guitar-based genres of music, but they don't necessarily celebrate the riff in the same way that, you know, like you said then Lizzie or Deep Purple yeah. or whoever might, you know, so, so that in, in, in part, I think is why there was such like, um, you know, a thirst for it, you know, like in, in the, in the 2010s um, when this stuff started coming back, like super, super strong. Um, And then of course, you know, I think probably like a good segue to that is the bands, like the, the, the bands of the, of our college years, you know, Um, that, that really just kind of like turned the dial back a few decades and, you know started exploring late 60s garage punk and uh psych and stuff like that in and in a, in a commercial way but also in a fun way in a lot of ways and in, in a, a extremely retro way like overtly
0: i would say Yeah. part that, of the pa- part of the marketing you know yes
1: 100% like the vibe the clothes the aesthetic it was all very intentional right um and uh so you know take make of that what you will um but but you know yeah that's yeah, this is, that's this is the kind of stuff that I think about, you know, freshmen and so, not to date, you know, us or me, <laughs> but when I, you know, that, that's what I think about when I think about like freshman year college, you know, uh, you know, bands like the White Stripes and the, uh, who else, the Hives, the Vines, the whatchamacallits, you know, there's, <laughs> there, there's dozens of those, you know.
0: There's a lot, and I'm just talking about the mainstream right now. I mean, that stuff was all over the radio. The other area, obvious, like without goes without saying, really is the the '90s. At mm-hmm. least some of the, you know, grunge stuff was mm-hmm. rooted in Sabbath and Zeppelin, um, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Oh shit! Yeah, especially um, you know Nirvana and like um, Pearl Jam. So um, mm-hmm. some of it drew more from like you know earlier indie rock kind of kind of things in punk, but like, you know, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, I mean, those those guys all, those guys all love Zeppelin, Sabbath, Deep Purple, like they, they all love that stuff. And that was like the most popular music at the time, too. So that's the like only other area where you get like this mainstream sort of um, uh, melding or, you know, reaching back for that seven for their 70s records.
1: True. Yeah, no, definitely true. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can think of even like bands like the Melvins. You know, like even the, 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 mm-hmm. Melvins, the Melvins aren't a grunge band. You know what I mean? But they they're drinking from the same well of like, well, I mean they're they're you know Seattle area band, right? Or Abilene or whatever yeah. it was.
0: Um, well, they influenced so much of the, that stuff.
1: Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like they. I just mean with respect to their forebears, you know, I think they're they're drinking from the same well. You know, they got the you know, they're definitely, they definitely worship the riff, you know? Um, and uh yeah, fuck the Melvins are awesome. Anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent, but <laughs> no, but, that's
0: kind of, that's kind of where I'm going with this next. Like I would say the closest mainstream rock got to like seventies, big riff rock was, you know, your Alice in Chains and your Sound Gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have a band like, you know, say Queens of the Stone Age um in the two thousands and late nineties. But there's also, and I think that's a, that's, they like I think they like those records a lot. You can tell that they do, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other things um, in the pot with that band from a songwriting perspective. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Josh Homme's uh, previous band Caius was like mm-hmm. really the direct line to mm-hmm. like more groovy, hypnotic, like riff kind of based rock of the '70s, mm-hmm. and then there was like a whole desert scene of bands in Southern California in the desert that was like doing the stuff that was in the 90s was adjacent to any of the grunge stuff i mean this was all like Caius's big albums came out in like 1992 and 1994 yeah so um you know getting a little more into like the underground stuff probably the stuff that we're like more more interested in Mm -hmm. um i I think the band that did the most to put like big heavy riffs back on the mantle was Mm -hmm. sleep i Uh... I like It's gotta be because Mm -hmm. uh, like those guys put out Holy Mountain in 1993, and while then Holy Mountain's not their debut album, it's it's the album where Sleep like becomes Sleep, Mm -hmm. and they kind of went all in on like this heavy psychedelic like uh, stoner and doom thing that like you know is direct directly uh, coming from like Blue Cheer and Black Sabbath, right?
1: Yeah, I totally forgot they came out that that Holy Mountain came out in the '90s, and Dope Smoker too, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think a couple years after. Yeah, um, but then you know, if you go into underground more, I mean, you've also got stuff like I Hate God, Melvins, Saint Vitus, even Electric Wizard is like poking around in like the mid to late '90s. Mm-hmm. They're all these are all like heavily indebted to Sabbath, um, and they're putting out some of their best work during this time, but because for this episode we're focusing on the last 20 years like we we kind of intentionally steered clear of all that shit because Mm -hmm. you know there's no doubt that those bands went on to influence some of the bands we're going to talk about today who are Mm -hmm. obsessed with like big riffs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um the other thing is that like this crop of bands is pulling like primarily from the sabbath side of 70s hard rock and like while sabbath is obviously like a monument to this era they're not the whole game, right? Like we mm-hmm. can't just we can't just focus on Sabbath, even though it's tempting. Yeah. Um, so you know, part of the while well, part of the mission is to like find bands that are pulling from Sabbath. Uh, shit, we could have probably found eight bands' tracks that are just Sabbath worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- we could have done that in in twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, we'd be doing the era an injustice because like, where are the bands that are into Hawkwind? Where mm-hmm. are the bands that are into Budgie or Mountain? Even. Yeah, um, and, and that's where I think the 2000s, especially the last 15 years, mm-hmm. um, and this rise in, like, heavy and aggressive music, and especially metal, helped rise the tides of bands that weren't as extreme as any of them. But, like, listening to a lot of the same shit as metal dudes. I mean, like, Metallica covered a Budgie song on, like, their, what was it, Garage Inc. comp or whatever. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, you know that, that Black Flag album, My War? You've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Like half of that album is just like this weird punk Sabbath like slow kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this really like open, which like really opened the door for like punks to like get into doom and sludge and shit like that.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Uh, other examples that I had were like Melvins would cover Kiss and Alice Cooper, Um and then like you know uh, Michael from Opeth is like he's always talking about like the Opeth influences are like not just death metal; they're like. Bands like Rainbow and Captain Beyond, and kind of the list goes on.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, that's
0: no, kind of no. like my 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 view into like the underground with the stuff.
1: Dude, I think you're you're totally right. Like I probably misspoke earlier when I said that. There, well, I didn't mean to suggest that there was nothing from the '90s that would that operate as kind of like a segue between the music that we're about to talk about and like the music of the first episode. But all of those bands that you mentioned are were key key contributors and obviously great fucking bands i mean sleep is you know a gateway band i think for so many people like so many people like from a younger generation than us too mm-hmm. you know like i think sleep especially opened a lot of doors into that late 60s early 70s kind of like um era of music um as a way for kids to explore that um
0: they're more and- popular now than when they were putting out albums
1: shit yeah i mean like we went to what was it it was a couple years ago so it was it was right after they put out their most recent record, which was like, I, you know, to my surprise, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wasn't expecting it to rule as hard as it did. I mean, like, I love Matt Pike and I love Al and all those dudes, but, but I just, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. So, um, and we were there and we were like, I don't know, I was was impressed, amazed to see so many young people there. Like, like, so Yeah. yeah, it was just a sea of them. But
0: you think they know Sabbath and like love Sabbath too? I think you or have is, to. Or is it, or are they like um, all over the map musically and just like stumbled on sleep and it's a sound that they like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would I would like to think that a lot of them like no Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, but I bet some of them don't. I bet some of them like the sound kind of starts and ends with sleep, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I definitely, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's not
0: everyone like goes back and is like, uh, you and me, where they're like, hmm, this band is amazing. What influenced this band? And then what right. influenced that fucking band? And then what influenced that one? They're not, they're not all psychos like us, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there was just so many, yeah. like, I, I just remember there being so many Gen Z hipsters there that I was like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck they're listening to. I mean, they're obviously here, they obviously appreciate sleep, so that's great, but like, yeah, yeah I mean, Uh, if you
0: were to compare the crowd of a sleep show sleep playing like Oakland in like 1995 to like the (laughs) show we went to it's probably pretty fucking stark difference it's a whole lot stinkier that's for sure (laughs) oh my
1: god yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no this it was very it was very very tame by metal standards but the one thing I was like I just mean the the audience uh, sleep ruled but but you know I just remember looking around and thinking like you know this is not a this is not this is not the crowd one would expect to see at a metal show, you know what I mean? Well,
0: it might it might be that like there's been a clear rise in weed culture, right? In the last 20, 10 15 20 years. Yeah. You know, and that I mean that could very well be a, a huge influence. into why people are so into sleep, too.
1: I mean, I here's another thing, too. I mean, I I hesitate to say because they they're all such amazing, groundbreaking, awesome musicians. They're like merch game is also very strong <laughs> you know what i mean they have yeah. the cool they have the coolest t-shirts and banners and stickers and flags and shit all around like you know the the mythology of dope smoker you know what i mean sure and uh,
0: like one out of every five people wearing a sleep t-shirt like doesn't really listen to sleep i guarantee it you know
1: dude i actually recently started noticing the fact that i see sleep everywhere in phoenix I, I, I see I see like shirts, I see buttons, I see stickers, I see whatever, patches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I see that shit everywhere. I mean, they're huge. Good for them. They are. They so. are
0: I mean, and it's a it's a it's pretty palatable sound. I mean, like they're heavy as shit mm-hmm. and repetitive. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There, there's a definitely an appeal, like for sure. It's, and it's and it's channeling Iomi in in all possible ways. Like mm-hmm. for for this task, like uh, for this track list. Um, I did find it kind of challenging to like delineate between 70s hard rock sounding bands and ones that have like an early metal type of sound, like not a proto metal sound, but like metal is actually a thing now and we're like the earliest bands doing it. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I ended up cutting a lot of that shit out because I think, I think that early metal is deeply indebted to 70s hard rock, of course, like, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just a little too metal for this rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. You know, especially stuff that brings like, you know, the Judas Priest and Iron Maiden kind of sound. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, like, how did you arrive at your tracks and like what stuff did you end up like having to cut out? Because it was that that kind of cusp between the two, between Mm -hmm. proto metal and early metal is like it it gets a little tricky.
1: Yeah. No, I think consulting you with you helped a lot because I was like it that 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 line can can kind of get blurred when we're talking about stoner rock versus doom metal versus psychedelic rock versus what have you you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i mean there were definitely bands that i really wanted to throw on here but were just too it was metal you know and i think you know arguably some of those tracks that we picked today are you know you know to the pedestrian whatever heavy music listener they might consider them metal or whatnot mm-hmm. but um But yeah, it was all just about finding that kind of like intermediate zone bridging, like psych and garage and, and, and that kind of stuff from like the late sixties, early seventies and, and then, and, and folding in like some elements of doom and drone and ambient. Um, and so, you know, there was such a strong, well, maybe it's just because this was definitely the music that I was like completely absorbed in, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. But in my mind, I feel like there was like this wave in the 2010s or the late 2000s, early 2010s of like stoner rock and doom metal bands and everything like that. Um, And there was like a lot of offshoots of those bands. So I just kind of like mined that territory. Um, Stuff that was heavy, but not too heavy. Stuff that was like definitely riff oriented. It wasn't hard for me to like remember... Like my favorite riffs of of the era, Um and so that's immediately just kind of where my brain went. And I remember throwing some tracks together. It's just like these tracks seem too obvious to me, but like they're some of my favorite riffs. So I'm just gonna call it. You know, like I said, if you give yeah. me all, if you give me all, the, if you give me all, uh, you know, unlimited time to come up with a track list, it's gonna just I'm never gonna finish <laughs> it. So,
0: well, and what's obvious to you is like not necessarily obvious to others. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other thing you could be like somebody could be at the very early stages of this rabbit hole or whatever you know what mm-hmm. I found found surprising when I looked at the years of all of our tracks mm-hmm. they're mostly before 2010 they're mostly to, 2000 to 2010 oh okay um, which I was like surprised because I'm thinking in my head like a lot of this stuff was like in the last 10 years but uh, mm-hmm. you know, mid the mid 2000s was, was fertile with yeah. some of this stuff I, I, I think like what all these bands on the track list have in common is that they're all like dialed into that older sound of the seventies, um, you know, hard rock and proto metal scene. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any of them are like interested in just merely fetishizing it. Right. Um, there's, there's variety throughout these tracks. I do think it definitely takes on more of like a psychedelic kind of, uh, uh thing, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, you know, it's more, more blue cheer sabbath deep purple than it is zz top grand funk railroad it's just hard to find bands that are good that are like on that sound yeah um and 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 you know many of them have evolved in and out of these sounds or even have records that are based in that but you know a lot of these bands like are are, you know moving in and out of different territories all the time so um Mm -hmm. yeah what they all have in common for sure we can say they all love, they all love the 70s like hard rock shit. There's just oh, there's just no doubt about it. For
1: sure, for sure. And some of these bands too are like just kind of dabbling in that. They never they never really like developed that like as as part of their like full sound or something like that. Correct. Um, yes.
0: We'll we'll definitely talk about those bands for sure. Yeah. Some of
1: them it's you're saying some of
0: them is that's just like a thing that that's just a trick they do. But yeah. it's not the it's not the full the full thing.
1: It's not the full scope of their sound, or you know, and in some cases, just like a small part of it. But I mean, I think the the, the bands that I'm talking with, obviously will will get more into it as the episode goes on. But the bands uh, the bands that I'm talking about are the ones that you were talking about earlier that kind of that like folded like those like uh, uh, reference points into a more modern sound or used that as like a baseline to kind of explore different things. So. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll get more into that as the pod goes on.
0: This first one we got is a you-pick, Harvey Milk. Yeah, mm-hmm. So this track is called uh, "Get It Up" and "Get It On." <laughs> Love so hilarious. it. I Love tried. It. I tried looking for the lyrics online. I couldn't find them because I'm like, "Is he's just gonna be like the horniest lyrics ever?" Like, what is this? <laughs> and you can you can make out what he's saying for the most part. Um, you can. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised, actually. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Like every other word or so. I mean, he's, this is a very grizzled, grizzled vocal. But I, you know, I featured Harvey Milk on um, an episode I did. Uh, with Tom from Planning for Burial where we were talking about like underground oh. 90s rock. Oh so shit. This is the second Har- the second Harvey Milk appearance um, on the podcast which is uh, uh great the- there's only a- there's only a couple other bands that have uh kind of doubled duplicated um throughout episodes. So this album is called The Pleaser. It came out in 1997. So this is the one like exception where we go we're going back a little bit before. Right. Um, and the riff master here is, uh, from what I can tell, it's Creston Spears. Um, he's the guitar player. But mm-hmm. I think, I think from what I've read, like Steven Tanner, who's the bass player, mm-hmm. um, I think writes writes a lot too in this band. Okay. Um, so yeah, why did, why did you go with um, this band? Why did you go with, go with this this track? And maybe tell us a little bit about the album too.
1: Uh, real quick, did you did you uh, do you remember what track you picked for that other? Do you recall or what album it was off of?
0: It was off one of their, so The Pleaser is, a, is Harvey Milk's third album, uh-huh. um, and it's actually the last album they had before they broke up, and kind of re, then they reformed later on. Uh-huh. Um, it's off of one of the first two albums. I don't remember which one. I think it's uh, My Love Is Higher Than Your Assessment. That oh, album, okay. And I don't remember the name of the track, but the track is, um, it's like eight minutes long, and it's got this weird, weird interlude in the middle of the song where he where there's like. Uh, classical music playing, and it's like this uh, well known like uh, this well known composition called like the the Planetary something or other, and it's yeah. it's it's a totally weird track. It sounds nothing like the track you picked. Oh uh, like, yeah, it's it's that other end of Harvey Milk's music where it's like it, it's depressing and uh, like uh trudges along and is just kind of like
1: super heavy too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I I I thought I'd ask because like. There's just so many different ways that you can talk about this band. They're like relevant to so many kind of different conversations, you know. Athens, mm-hmm. Georgia band. Go dogs. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you, you, Athens brings to mind certain, you know, I, I, guess, you know, that it's, it's, it's a music scene that's still very strong, still, um, you know, cranking out a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, you think of Athens music and you think of REM and like the B 52s and shit like that. But this is this is a band that is uh, polar, polar opposite <laughs> of anything that you might associate generally with Athens music. Um, and they, it's hard to really kind of easy, easily categorize them. You know, I'd say what they mostly do is this like this really heavy, intense doom, you know, and noise rock. But with the Pleaser, as you mentioned, they took like a hard left, you know. They took this high-energy, riff-oriented approach, and I know that that factors into some of their other records, but this is the one where they just decided to fucking, you know, say fuck it and have, like, a ton of fun. Like, this boozy, bar-rock approach definitely diverged, I think, from their, I don't know if you can call it their trademark sound, but a sound I typically associate with them. This whole record is something I would consider really different from the rest of their discography, which was definitely which was which was kind of the reason that I was reluctant to pick it because you know it doesn't necessarily sum up what Harvey Milk's about or it doesn't sum up what Harvey Milk's about but the riffs are just too damn good i mean the title of this record is like i i you know kind of like a i think a wink and a nod to the commercial appeal and instant gratification of like you know <laughs> yeah. bar blues you know arena aerosmith rock you know the pleaser you know let us please you like <laughs> just let's get drunk and slam around and like you know uh you know play some this is fucking... definitely a
0: band with a dark sense of humor so that i never thought about that that makes a lot of sense yeah
1: that's just where i i mean there could be some other story to it but that i i you know i take the name the title of the album and i listen to the record and i'm and i immediately get it it could, it could come from somewhere else who knows i mean But uh, that's just, that's just, you know, the way that I kind of interpreted it. And there's just so many great, great highlights. Uh, You know, the opening track, this one that uh, uh, we're about to play, uh, Lay My Head Down, is, um, I remember so clearly the first time I heard that track, we were, you and I, we were driving back from Tucson. It was a Sunday, we're like all hungover. And uh, I think it was our friend who was driving and like, he played this track and I was like, man, this is like this is like since i've been loving you by led zeppelin but yeah. <laughs> but more deranged you know like just somehow more tortured and depressing and it's 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 like i would consider it like a, a gnarly tortured adaptation of that song not a cover or really an adaptation two different the i would i would consider the chord the chords are similar the, different key maybe but um, is it, is it Spears? Is it Spires? Creston Spears? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but he he howls, you know, that dude. You know, I love... I, would, I, I regrettably have never seen this band play live. I would love to see them play live because... Not many people have. Yeah, right? I mean, he, he this guy has this, like, Howlin' Wolf meets Tom Waits kind of thing, but somehow... You know what I'm talking about? It's like It's coming from the back of the throat. Yeah. It's very like
0: there's a lot of fluids in the sound. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's guttural. How about that? Yeah, it's a, it's guttural <laughs> the lyrics or the vocals rather. I was thinking about like you know Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring when like Sauron is like creating like those orc people. Like <laughs> I think Creston Spears was like one of those orc people. He's like his, his his vocals are very like orc like you know what i mean like they're just like it's yeah
0: a hundred percent i mean it, it, i like vocals like this because and I'm gonna, i love it like, i think he's be, great. I, I love them because it's because of this like this is somebody who like can't sing like they know they can't it's so it's very brave what they're doing not just because they can't sing but because they can they can't sing or the voice is like gnarled mm-hmm. but they can but it's tuneful like it's like yeah. the dude can't really sing but he can keep like yeah. a tune. He can, he can a keep tune. a melody and and has a ear for excellent melodies. It's just it's just the presentation of it is is
1: you know yeah. so nasty. Yeah, they, they they ugly it up. They ugly it up for sure. And that's uh, I mean that that loud Okay, so everything I just kind of described about the his lyrics, he does have a clean singing voice which they utilize all the time and and like that loud soft dynamic i think is one of like the defining characteristics of this band like gentle clean arpeggiated chords or very mm-hmm. slow progression with a very somber kind of interlude or maybe even an opening to a song and then all of a fucking sudden like distortion <laughs> to 11 and like shit i need to turn my headphones down like this is crazy yeah um they're big leonard cohen fans i, I-, I was reading no shit that's yeah. awesome I mean, we should all be big Leonard Cohen fans. He's like the ultimate. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, they okay. So this again, circling back my original point. I mean, this is not exactly like a lot of their other output. I think my my entry point with this band was this record called "Life," the best game in town, and uh, that was one of their I think 2010s releases or late 2000s releases.
0: It was the first. It was the first one they put out um, after reforming.
1: Yeah, and it was a good one, man. It was a good one. They, they had... Um, so good. It was melodic, and it was catchy, but also heavy as shit. Um, just a really, really great band. That was my very first exposure to this band. And then as I went back deeper into their discography, I was just kind of amazed at how I had never heard of them. You know, yeah. I'm like, these guys are so fucking good. Um, their sound is exactly what I'm into, but I just never... Uh, heard of them? And another another one. I don't know if it's like widely considered to be their best, but from what I gather, I think a lot of people would consider "Courtesy and Goodwill Towards Men" as like one of their yeah. defining records. Totally. And for an example of how little this band could give a shit about riffs, sometimes listen to like the very first track of that record, Pinocchio's example. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> yes, it's not, like a ten minute song. Yeah, that it's just like kind of oscillating between like this. Single note, for distorted note from a guitar, and this accelerating snare or something like that, and then it just kind of the whole thing collapses and then restarts, and then there's this like quiet interlude. It's like I have no fucking idea how conceptually that song came to be. It's super interesting. It's like something something really weird, like the Melvins would do, or something. You know, uh, a small turn of human kindness. Their most, I think, it's must their most recent one. Um, also really good. I, I mean, I encourage all of your listeners, check this band out, like, I think they disbanded back in the day because they were just kind of exasperated by the fact that no one was really paying attention. Um, now they're starting to get a little bit of their due, I mean, they're, you know, years back they featured prominently on Pitchfork and all that kind of jazz, but um, but they're still underappreciated, um, I don't know that they we should expect anything on the horizon from them, but I, I love that band and... I don't know what do you, what do you think what would tell me about tell me about Harvey Milk. Oh, by the way, the movie Harvey Milk by Gus Van Sant. I believe it's Gus Van Sant. About the politician Harvey Milk played by Sean Penn. Excellent movie. Check it out. Yeah, it totally is.
0: I wish I had Harvey Milk music in it. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like the, for this album in particular, the I was reading their bandcamp a description for this album and like this is, I wrote it down this is what it says it says harnessing the power of lush noisy and painfully emotional heavy metal the pleaser finds the band channeling the spirits of thin Lizzy kiss and early ZZ top to create a brutish muscular canon of classic rock jams
1: shit yeah what's not to like <laughs> about that yeah
0: so like it's like you're saying this is not the track to pick if you want to like give someone like the full demonstration of what Harvey Milk does if a track even exists probably doesn't but it's mm-hmm. the best track to pick, or best album to pluck out a track to pick for this particular rabbit hole, like hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. And again, like hard to find bands that are like super into ZZ Top, and she, you know, like yeah, because not everyone can play like that. And there's a very distinct like uh, musicmanship that's happening there that Harvey Milk has. I mean, these these are super fucking talented like oh they got chops more so than the average like rock band like much much more so
1: real not to interrupt you but i was like that was the one thing that i didn't realize about them when i first the pleaser was like i think it, i mean i got into life is the best game in town i forget like the next records that i listened to of theirs but what the the pleaser came later on for me and uh i was i was blown away but yeah these these fucking dudes have chops man they they Mm-hmm. You know, they can really, really play. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. A
0: Relapse. Re- oh, you're all good, man. Uh, the re- Relapse reissued the Pleaser. And when they reissued it, they included a full live set of the Pleaser front to back. Um, so these songs are like kind of really meant meant to be heard live, you know, I would say. And um, the other thing is, <laughs> I read a story. You were talking about the Athens music scene where uh, they the, the, Harvey Milk was also like, I mean, they had a weird sense of humor, like they, and they would fuck around with like their fans and fuck around with like opportunities that they got to like (laughs) get bigger, almost in like self-sabotaging kind of way. I mean, I don't know actually, but it it sort of seems like that might have been it. And I think like these, it's well documented. This band was a bit of a wreck, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of like where they were, where they were at in life and shit like that. Like these were, these were, these songs are rough. Because like these guys, their lives are rough. You know, it's it's there's no mistaking. And I talked to Tom about this last time when we were discussing Harvey Milk, and he's like, "This, he's like, this, this." I listen to this as like somebody who writes music. This is someone going through some shit. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I think the Pleaser is less less of that, although I'm sure it makes its way in as well. Um, but anyway, the story I was gonna tell was, um, apparently they were playing a show. And they just decided to play a whole R.E.M. album front to back. And Michael Stipe was in attendance at the show. <laughs> and they didn't like announce it. They didn't be like, oh, tonight we're playing our favorite R.E.M. album front to back. Like everyone went there expecting to hear Harvey Milk. And they ended up playing an R.E.M. album front to back. Michael Stipe was there. So I'm thinking the band must have known this dude is going to show up to the show. So they did it just kind of like fuck around. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's funny. And I don't know if that didn't make a fan out of Michael Stipe. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's not that not that cool then, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think you said it all. Like the the this band is actually like absolutely heavy as shit. Um, you're just not gonna get that side of them on this track. These are this is a band that has an unmistakable sound, but they drift around in different areas of rock, like you're saying, everything from like crushing, atonal doom to like noise rock to like depressing kind of indie stuff to kind of these avant-garde kind of experiments like you're saying with, with uh, uh, the Pinocchio track as well. In terms of the song and like this album, like the the fucking bass playing in Harvey Milk is so good. It's like just as killer as the guitar playing, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that I think is deeply indebted to 70s hard rock. So I think of shit like Grand Funk and ZZ Top. Oh, yeah. The bottom bottom end is so important, or a Jimi Hendrix even Mm -hmm. uh, band. Um, The the bottom end is so important to laying down like a super heavy sound, um, especially when the band's style on this record is not particularly heavy. And yeah, that's. I think this track in this kind of album is best of all the tracks on our playlist kind of best gets into like the boogie side of like 70s rock you know uh-huh. more so than the than the rest of the tracks um from what from what I can tell but you know th- like you're saying this is the one album in the catalog that's just kind of big dumb rock and roll um it's just done like better than anyone pretty much yeah and it has a swagger that really not much of their work has at all I mean I would say like the opposite like the two albums prior to this, And Mm -hmm. most of the material afterwards is like the opposite of swagger. It's like vulnerable and like depressing and tortured and like a a bit disturbing as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah. They're like different bands sometimes.
0: Yeah. Kind of a schizophrenic uh, uh, album and band.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the bass playing. I mean, like um, because and I'm not sure where I read this, but is Joe Preston with them now or was he with them at some point?
0: I looked this up. He was with them for, I think, a couple of years, and I think I don't even know if it was on record, if it was just touring, because Preston does a lot of like touring with other bands. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he was he was in the band for a bit. This is, Harvey Milk is one of those bands that's like the favorite band of a lot of musicians. Like I've heard a lot of musicians that I love um, say like Harvey Milk is like the band for me. Like I think Aaron Turner from ISIS like loves this band to death. I can but see I'll, that. I think, I think Hydra had put out Harvey Milk albums, um, and um, Eugene from Oxbow, another really cool band, great band, that's kind of long running, um, also like uh, always talking about how great Harvey Milk is. So. Mm-hmm.
1: They're a gem. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I love about this track, too, is the, you know, you mentioned the chops. And the, the, the riff in this particular song almost has like a pendulum-like motion. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like he slides up the neck and he slides down the neck or maybe it's not down the neck, but melodically there's like a reversal that occurs. You know what I mean? And it's like I can't even I, I don't know that I've ever tried to like actually look up how to play that song. I know that I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> but but like I just its look- kind
0: of like a, a Zeppelin, like a
1: Jimmy Page kind of like. Thing, yeah, right? yeah, yeah yeah and it's just it's just so it's just so fucking cool i don't know i love it i love this riff so i'm glad it made it on this is a great track i love it
0: this is one of my favorites off the song um anything else with uh with harvey milk
1: i don't think so man let's hear it
0: all right this is a great this is a great song to start off with so this is harvey milk get it up and get it on <laughs> Okay, track two. This is uh, my pick. I picked the track "Election Day" by the band Hammers of Misfortune. This is off of an album called The Locust Years um, from 2006. I think this is their third record. And the riff master here is a, a gentleman named John Cobbett. And um, I did actually cover one of John's other bands on the episode I did with uh, Daniel Lake, who who wrote the uh, USBM black metal book so the band john cobbett was in was ludicra so this is a, a another one of his bands kind of a, a long running one and and i can definitely go into go into hammers of misfortune for a while but i want to i want to kind of see what you thought of this track i know we both like this band and but they have like quite a few albums so i wasn't sure if you were familiar with this track or this album and mm-hmm. like just kind of like where you think this uh if this lines up with like stuff from the 70s
1: uh definitely definitely i think it does i mean like the 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 prog the, the, this is like really really excellent like bay area like metal kind of prog like the progginess is what i think about and and draws me back to like deep purple and, and bands like that um you know cobbett to me is like one of the best guitar players alive. i like love everything that he does like Ludicrous, the tenant is obviously like a modern classic. Like, and he's had his hands on a couple of those. Like, I think Locust Years by Hammers is probably another one of those, you know, modern classics of, uh, of metal. But yeah, I, I mean, I love this band, especially this. Oh, Vols, Deeper Than Sky. I mean, yeah. that, that um, project he does with, yeah, with Mike Scheidt. But uh, yeah, love this record. Love this band. Um, I think it probably, I, I know that other people hold like August Engine in high regard to mm-hmm. um and lovely. and they that and the one that that came out five or six years ago is also pretty good but yeah i love the operatic kind of medieval celtic quality to some of this stuff obviously the hard charging riffs the dual leads reminiscent of you know so many of the greats then lizzie being one and lizzie for I, sure yeah, Cobbett and, and Mike Scalzi. Is that how you pronounce his name? The dude from Slowfag. Yes, yes. Or they were both in it. Yeah, so they're definitely masters on it because they both play on this one, don't they?
0: They do, yeah. Scalzi was in the band for a while as the vocalist, but I don't think he's in the band anymore. Right, And And, and, right. By, and I think Cobbett has played on Slowfag stuff, guitar on his stuff before. So they just, they've just kind of shared in each other's projects
1: quite a bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was this. That was the sense that I got too. But but they're both they're both riff masters and and worship, you know, the riff. There's so many like you know, kind of like clenched fist, like Mm. hands, you know, (laughs) fist pump, hands in the air, kind of like anthemic, kind of jams and and these records and also on Slow Feg stuff like real invisible oranges kind of stuff.
0: Slow Feg's more more I would say more metal on the whole than Mm -hmm. Hammer's Misfortune you know, especially 80, mm-hmm. like they're definitely bringing out like an 80s metal thing into it, but I don't think you can mm-hmm. have a conversation about 70s hard rock and not dip into the Cobbett, Scalzi, like pluck something yeah. out that the, both these guys were involved with. Unfortunately, I picked a track where that has no vocals. So you're not going to hear Scalzi on this track. Unfortunately, he's got a great, great fucking voice, but I picked an instrumental track.
1: But the one thing that, well, one thing that is so cool about this track that I love is that it reminds me of, uh, Foreplay, long time. By oh, by Boston, Boston? Yeah. yeah, it does, but but in, in a good way. I think it's awesome. But uh, I
0: love that song.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, great. But um, but yeah, I, I read. I I I'm not going to plagiarize this. I read this on. Uh, I think I was reading like some Apple Music kind of like like a real brief like summary of the band, the history of the band, or, or this record in this particular, and the guy who or girl who wrote it. that said that Hammer um, hammers of misfortune puts the pro and progressive <laughs> which <laughs> which which I think is funny and also like right on these guys yeah. are just so they're so polished and skilled their albums are so well produced and their arrangements are so cool and interesting and um, classy band yeah they're 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 really really good I mean what uh, what else uh, what else can you say about them you know so but yeah love John Cobbett. anything that he's involved in I encourage your listeners to check that out
0: yeah, I connect very deeply with the riffs that man writes. They're, uh, they're just the right, the right flavor of everything. When he does a riff, that's like a punk riff. I'll, it's just or a hardcore riff. I love it so much. Like he does in full, the way he writes like black metal, like thrashy kind of riffs. Ah, this is just a guy who's like clearly in tune with like the the best guitar heroics of like the mm-hmm. '70s and sort of excesses. Like this is not a man afraid of some like you know, finger-tapped Scorpions, like, you know, solos and stuff like that. So it's kind of like taking mm-hmm. the excesses uh, in that, like, really showing off of, like, 80s metal especially and kind of putting it into, like, a 70s hard rock, deep purple kind of thing. Definitely. Um, it's very theatrical, like you're saying. I think the the spirit of those classic, like, deep purple albums, the ones, you know, the ones with Ian Gillum... Um, and and stuff like even like Jethro Tull, early Scorpions, like I'm saying, or even Queen, I would say. Yeah. Like it, it, this stuff has a lot of adrenaline and fist-pumping moments, but it, like it's also very refined, and it's t- tinged with Prague, definitely. There's no doubt about that. So I, I wanted. I'm glad I chose this because it's kind of fulfills that like Prague hard rock corner that we went into on the last episode where we talked about stuff like T2 um mm-hmm. but the other kind of area we didn't get into on the last episode and i don't think there's a need to get into it because it's already so so well known is like stuff like genesis and yes and, and especially like when those bands were kind of more hard rocking than they were like super proggy um this this definitely scratches that itch but mm-hmm. it's definitely not retro i mean it's i guess it sounds it's got a little bit of like a child in time kind of thing the song you know um just yeah not a, just not a slow it's like sped up and it's like what you were saying before, like it's a continuation, but like everyone kicked everything up like a million notches, basically. It's just, yeah. k- k- kicks your ass a little harder than the 70s stuff, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it sounds new. I mean, it sounds like if you were to play this band, like, it, it, you know, to a complete stranger who is at least familiar with, you know, 70s hard rock and stuff like that, I don't think they would say, oh, this is a band from the 70s. It's definitely a modern, a more modern kind of sound, you know?
0: Yeah, and you could play it for fans of '70s hard rock, and they're gonna respect this like immediately. Mm-hmm. So, so Hammers, you know, they're they're a currently underrated band. This song doesn't is not like the totality of their sound. Obviously, I, the vocals are a big part of their sound, and that you're not getting that on this album. So, definitely check out um, all of their stuff because they they put a lot of like care and attention into into the vocals. They're very theatrical. I think the albums are conceptual most of the time. But it's not this is not like fantasy kind of stuff, really. It's kind of like really rooted in like, you know, like real life and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, criminally underrated band. um, their albums are a really big deal when they drop because they they don't put out albums a whole lot. and I, I assume it's because they're really labored over. Um, and it's just like kind of an epic love letter to so many styles of like hard and heavy rock of the past. Um, but there's there's that signature that the band has, like thematically um, compositionally. And like, again, this is like Harvey Milk, like amazing players all around, like so good.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Cobbett, I mean, I think he's involved. He's like one of these guys who's just like relentlessly busy all the time. I I gather, you know, like he's always doing something. It seems like, and he's, I don't know how many bands he's in. It seems like a lot, but you know, maybe that's maybe another reason why hammers doesn't release as much, you know, but, um, but yeah, I wish he would release more shit because I love him. I love everything he does. So
0: yeah, yeah, you could tell he's a he's a total fan of, of, of like almost every segment of rock and roll. He's like touched. So, but you can you could tell the '70s stuff is like very very close to his heart.
1: Um, for for anyone who like digs Hammers of Misfortune, I don't. This isn't like an easy kind of thing. I don't, I mean are different sounds and different bands entirely. But the Tenant by Ludicra is like. A classic heavy metal album, in my opinion, and and check out Vol, too—the thing that he does with the lead singer from uh, Yob.
0: Yep, and Aesop uh, from uh, from Ludicra. That's track. right, Aesop. and, and, and uh, Sigrid, she who's uh, I think his partner, and is also in Hammer's Misfortune too. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh huh.
0: So yeah, it's like a you know, there's a whole there's a whole family of Bay Area musicians there. I think Daniel picked uh, that Ludicra track for that uh, ep- episode that I did and. Um, he was talking about how they're just, you know, super, such an important, like m- not just black metal band, but like metal band and, you know, to the U S they've re actually recently, uh, reformed and they'll be going to be playing, um, they're going to playing Northwest terror fest out here in Seattle. I can't remember when, but I think it's probably, I think it's next year.
1: Yeah. It's like June or July. Yeah. It might be like 4th of July weekend. Yeah.
0: Got to get you out here for that, man.
1: Oh, for sure. dude I'll, I will be there.
0: <laughs> All right. Anything else with hammers? Don't think so, man. All right, so this is Election Day by Hammers Misfortune. We are on to a clay pick. This next one is the song "Witchcraft" by the band Witchcraft, off the album "Witchcraft." <laughs> um, <laughs> one of those. 2000- yep, we'll talk about that. Um, from two thousand four, the riffmaster. As far as I could tell, could be wrong on this. Is Magnus Palander, who's kind of like the the main the main homie of the.
1: Uh-huh. Band. I think I think that's right.
0: So yeah, what what why uh, why Witchcraft? Um, why is this a, why is this important? And what kind of where does this like fall in the in the 70s uh, hard rock world
1: um it for me this was like the thing that i love about this particular record is that it's it's it seems totally born of the 70s like and and i'm pretty sure that they only recorded this thing on on equipment from that era if i'm not wrong like they were definitely out to i'd say like harvest a retro sound which i'm not yeah belittling them for i mean i think like i you know we've talked about this a few times already like if you can celebrate that form of music and do a good job and put something unique and and something unique to it um and, and make it your own then, then more power to you
0: all analog yeah definitely
1: Yeah, i mean this they're swedish right i mean this is kind of like a yeah. proto doom kind of thing that they're doing here um i know that the um, some later records are a little cleaner, a little more polished, maybe a little bit louder. Um, I'm not overly familiar with like their entire discography, but I really do love this one. I mean, the, the, the tracks are all you know mid tempo with rhythm. This isn't speed metal or power metal that Hammers or Slowfeg might flirt with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this band is is trying to be retro. Um, like I said, they recorded on on all the. Uh, you know, era, like the, the vintage analog equipment of that era. And, and I love the, the reverbed out kind of sound, especially with the vocals. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of the animals or something, you know, um, um
0: big time six, a sixties kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, and that's, and that's kind of like the qualities about the song that I love and I, and I love the the main riff and the groove of this song. And then it has this great, Um, kind of extended bridge like finisher with this arpeggiated kind of chord and and then and then a little solo over it Um, they're not trying to you know blow your head off with distortion or noise but you know I think there are different ways to be heavy and and this band to me is they're heavy without being loud necessarily you know what I mean Um, it's just a vibe um, that they that they put out Um, other highlights from this no angel or demon is a really fucking cool song. It starts off. It starts off sounding like a Bob Seger song or something, but finishes with like these all along the watchtower chords. Um, and then there's another track called, I want you to know, which is kind of a more soulful tune. Um, second, you know, half of this record might be, might be stronger than the first, but I think this is like the very first track off the record, probably the best track off the record in my opinion. Um, And it's their
0: debut, too. It's their first album.
1: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that's why I picked it. I think they're pretty cool. And, um, you know, uh, I I like the way that they're kind of unabashedly celebrating an era of music, but also making it sound fun and interesting and not, you know, just rehashed. Yeah. So.
0: To me, it's like they seem to me interested in where like the 60s turned into the 70s, right? That like late 60s very early 70s. Mm-hmm. Like I don't hear I don't hear later 70s kind of shit in their music much.
1: Right, right, right.
0: I would say going to say I'm sure you noticed this too. Like the first thing you got to say about this this song and this band is that they're doing they're doing the Black Sabbath thing, the trifecta thing. They have to be. It's it's what Black Sabbath did. Yeah, first track off the first album, Black Sabbath, (laughs) Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Artist, album name, and title. So I mean, they're they're doing that on purpose. Yeah, they gotta be, and you gotta be bold, kind of bold to pull that off. Like, imagine doing that with your band, and then the song sucks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you would look like such a fucking clown. Yeah, you can't. Iron Maiden also has the same thing. They um the first album, Iron Maiden. And then there's a track on there called Iron Maiden, but they didn't make it the first track. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's like kind of like it's almost like by extension, when you do that, it's like it's almost your your definitive song or a statement, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I I, w- I wanted to mention. Um, uh, pro- respect it to the to the balls it takes to do something like that mm-hmm. um, and pull it off. And I think with this band, I mean, there's definitely some Sabbath happening here, but it's like not so much in the tone. And the volume as it is in, like, the spirit and the mood of the band. I mean, these, like you're saying, these are thinly distorted guitars. Like, mm-hmm. they sound pretty clean. And they they don't really sound very down-tuned. I don't know. Maybe you can tell?
1: Yeah, I don't know. They, they might be, but not by much. Would be my guess. Maybe a, maybe a half a step or full yeah, step. Yeah,
0: maybe a, maybe a little bit. But nothing like I, what Iomi's doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I see this band, uh, Witchcraft, described as kind of, like, heavy psych and even traditional doom like before it became very Mm -hmm. like insanely heavy Mm -hmm. um, which i think is pretty spot on but um, there's a very to me there's a very clear influence here that's happening that is not anything that we discussed in the last episode and this is actually another area where i think we we, it's a a little bit of an omission. rocky erickson Uh, uh especially vocally like Mm -hmm. i hear i hear rocky erickson not and not really 13th floor elevators more his like 70s stuff Uh uh-huh yeah Although a little bit of Thirteenth Floor too, I hear I hear Rocky Erickson like all over all over this stuff, and I um, there's definitely a, like a crossover between Rocky's early solo material and 70s hard rock. Um, I also hear um, Pentagram, on, yeah. with this band. Good call, especially really early Pentagram before they got very 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 like heavy. Mm-hmm. Be- Pentagram was pretty like um, kind of like indebted to like 60s melodies and stuff like that, right. There's even like a folky thing running through their sound. I think, you know, stuff like Fairport Convention even. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this 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 mystical sounding band. And they're from 2004. I mean, uh, a few years later, like from 2004, there would be like a pretty big movement in underground rock and metal. I'm sure you remember this, where like all of these very occult, like witchy retro bands started like getting big. Like, yeah, I'm talking about bands like uh, Uncle Acid, Uh, Blood Ceremony, Jex Thoth, like these types of bands that were like definitely super into like Jethro Tull and Coven and Pentagram Mm -hmm. and like heavy emphasis on the the occult part Uh of things. And uh, I I think Witchcraft kind of might've been slotted into that eventually, but because they're still putting out records, but they, I don't know, I think they came before a lot of that stuff got popular. Mm -hmm. And um, this album is on a, a label called Rise Above Records, which is... Um, Operated by um, I forget his name, but the guy who started the band Cathedral, who's like super important, super important doom band, and like Electric, this Rise Above put out Electric Wizard's big albums. They put out Uncle Acid's first albums. I mean Mm -hmm. that that whole Rise Above Records family is like pivotal towards the popularity of like very occult, like sleazy kind of like doomy uh rock and roll.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind, kind of like stuff that's doom but is also very very like rock and roll at the same time too you know it's right. not just like crushing doom yeah intended to like crush your soul it's like also like it, it swaggers you know it's like mm-hmm. kind of almost like got a biker kind of like thing exactly you know, going on. yeah um so uh i i like i really like this uh the song and this album and this band um i i'm not super familiar with the rest of their catalog to be honest um i've kind of just like held on to <laughs> this record for a while and Same. whenever i'm in the mood for something kind of spooky and like also soulful i would say like this is pretty soulful yeah for like for like what it is um, yeah
1: 100 like that's one of the reasons like the heaviness thing that i was talking about they're not loud or their distortion isn't turned all the way up or whatever but it's like the vibe that this album it's very like something that you would want to put on on a crisp you know autumn evening or something you know what i mean like it's like uh you know cast some spells yeah cast some spells light like a, a brew light a candle you know do a seance you know something like that you know summon uh an evil a dark spirit you know um but uh yeah that's the one of the things that i appreciate about them it's because it's like they're not they're heavy without necessarily being heavy heavy you know yeah
0: yeah yeah and that's it's it's definitely like um, aesthetically and mood wise like it's very appealing. Especially I love like the '60s kind of late '60s shit that they bring into their mix. Yeah, yeah, for Especially sure. Especially if you like if you like kind of like '60s folk melodies and like you know maybe even some of like the uh, Beatles more darker stuff. Like I think that that stuff all pops in here a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, no. I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned them. And actually, because it brings me back to Uncle Acid, which is like another good example, I think, of what you're talking about. But that kind of like yeah. f- uh, psychedelic, kind of uh, you know, wide album kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely yeah. can hear that with John Lennon on vocals. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned Rocky Erickson too, because I actually have a talking point about him a little bit later on. But I'll I'll uh, I'll keep you in suspense.
0: Yeah, I think Rocky gets. Gets you know cited as like a psychedelic kind of pioneer, and he is like by all means. But um, dude, so many fucking so many metalheads and so many people into like hard rock and heavy rock and prog like that's makes up a big part of the fan base of Rocky Erickson and Thirteenth Floor Elevators. There's some mm-hmm. kind of like spiritual connection between what Rocky was like putting out there into the world and like people who just like heavier shit, even though Rocky Erickson's music is not like, it's not metal. It's not heavy. It's not always hard rocking even, but it's just, it's that spookiness of it that people love, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's his, and it's also like the mythology of Rocky Erickson to like all of the, 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 his trials and tribulations. And I think it's like, Part of the same reason like a lot of metal dudes are into towns van zandt you know what i mean yeah so, you know uh-huh. <laughs> so, that's another
0: one we could do a whole episode on non-metal like shit. that we, metal heads almost like to a formula love <laughs> yeah
1: right yeah exactly yeah didn't um gosh was it von till or was it who who from neurosis did a record of fans covers
0: um I don't remember. Was it I, Kelly I remember, or Montil? I don't know. Well, I remember there being some compilation of uh, a bunch of metal people doing doing Van Zant covers. But oh really?
1: Maybe I'm maybe I'm just thinking of it. It hard. could
0: be it could be Scott Kelly because his solo stuff is very is kind of along those lines.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure.
0: Yeah, that'd be my guess. Cool. Anything else with Witchcraft?
1: Nope, don't think so, man.
0: All right. So let's let's listen to Witchcraft by Witchcraft off the album Witchcraft.
1: Witchcraft, take one.
0: Okay, next one is, uh, this is a me pick. I picked the track Whiskey River from the band Comets on Fire. This is off of the 2004 album Blue Cathedral. And as far as I can tell, the masters here are the uh, band leader, Ethan Miller. And then you also have uh, Ben Chastney of uh, Six Organs of Admittance fame, um, who joined the band, um, I think... I don't, know, I don't know if it was on the album or the one, or the or their debut, but he, he was on board for this one at least. And uh, uh, this is a bit of a wild one. I, I, this band's fucking insane, <laughs> especially <laughs> on this album. This is definitely like heavy psych. That is, uh, it's really noisy and chaotic and spacey. And this this is where I had the Hawkwind revelation, where I was like, ah, we kind of missed that band. Yeah, I remember we talked we talked about them, but it was just I I don't know why I left that one on the cutting floor. I am the same. This is total Hawkwind, and I would say like MC5, uh, and kind of Hendrix, mm-hmm. especially in the guitar like freakout. Um, this is this is all in that category, and um, I don't know. I just I just I, I think maybe even a little bit of Mountain shows up here too, mm-hmm. um, because especially on on some parts of this album and their and their next album Avatar, you, you kind of get a little more of like a country southern rock. Kind of thing happening with the band at times mm-hmm. um so i'm glad we have something like that on the list because because we had you know mountain and obviously like Skinner and stuff first album first couple albums are like definitely in this pool of things uh-huh. but there's uh i don't know this 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 has always been one of my one of my favorite um like crazy rock albums since since i first heard it and this track in particular i mean is so killer because like once it gets going it's just It's totally blistering and just like beats you over the head. Mm -hmm. This like massive sheet of noise and guitar freakouts and like there's crazy electronics like going off and saxophone and it's just like dude on vocals who just sounds like a complete like maniac. (laughs) I just love everything about this. I don't always love super chaotic stuff. Sometimes I just don't really like nothing for me to grasp onto. Mm -hmm. But I love I love when a band kind of does it in such with such like abandon Uh um so this is definitely nodding to the 70s i would say but like bringing in some crazy weird punk kind of like shit and and also maybe even like some free jazz um kind of into the mix too at least like the way of the way free jazz people play where they're just kind of like yeah you know improvising no rules yeah 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 it seems like no rules with this band even though there's clearly structure but i don't know what i don't know what do you think about this i
1: mean the first words that i wrote because I was making notes for this episode when I heard this record, we're not this record, this song in particular, were just utter craziness. Like, that's what this is. It's like, it's like the Stooges, you know, you and I were talking about, I think I was texting you about how this reminded me of like Iggy and the Stooges and like, it's like they—I don't know—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's one of those examples of the types of bands that just you know all the ingredients are there. We're just like using more of them. We just like turned all that shit up, you know, <laughs> like the wah, the, the 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 rotary pedal delay kind of thing um you know it's like the stooges took a bunch of like uppers with some lsd or acid or some shit i don't know um and just and just you know iggy stripped naked and ran around howling like a monkey you know like that's what this is that's what this is like that's what i'm picturing when i hear this band you know i i found this video of them from 2005 of them playing this festival in la it's like seven or eight songs and the sounds the sound is like from a i don't know from a shitty recorder so it's like not that great but it's wild to watch i mean these guys are just going off on their instruments it's like having some catharsis you know they're they're just out there like sweating head to toe just like throwing themselves around the stage you know in rapture you know they're like it's it it's they put on a fucking show you know what i mean
0: i've always i always wonder how they pull this off live because it could be one of those bands that on record it sounds so beautifully chaotic but then when you see live yeah it still is an amazing experience but it's like I, i i'm not really distinguishing like but yeah know, in in this giant layer sheet of noise that's like attacking me right now oh i
1: think i think the energy level was the thing that i'm like okay yeah this is this is something this would be something to behold but like yeah actually discerning what each player is doing i don't know that might be a little bit more a little bit more difficult but
0: <laughs> this is not the, does it seem like the kind of song or music where like these guys would just be kind of like standing still and playing like they got to be like fucking freaking out, like flailing around and shit. Oh,
1: right? shit. Yeah. Watch Look it up on YouTube. There's a two, two, 2005 LA festival. It's one I'd never heard of, but it's the full band. They're there. And, you know, whoever's recording. So, yeah, I think in the audience and they're, you know, it's it's obviously it's the recording. It's not a great quality or whatever. But you just get to see the band kind of like flail around. And yeah, the, the, it's a
0: 2005 era. Phone phone recording. Yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably not the best. Not
1: for the audio files out there, but uh, but yeah. I mean, you get to see the crowd just kind of standing there, like you know, kind of dumbfounded by it. I mean, they're obviously into it, but I just can kind of mean like mesmerized a little bit. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. Definitely with the Stooges vibes. Big on that for me. Like throughout this record, and I'm glad, super glad you picked this because going back and listening to it, it was gone. I had, I had heard this record before, and I used to love it. And it just, one of those things that dropped out of my rotation and never made it back. And I was listening to it the other day and thinking like, damn, like, what a lost treasure. You know, these, these guys are, these guys are fucking awesome. And, um, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely tapping into some, some late sixties heavy psych, you know, I mentioned Rocky Erickson before. I get a 13th floor elevators vibe from them because, because of the, or maybe even like a white light, white heat kind of velvet underground kind of oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's the pervasiveness of that crazy wah, washed out rotary sound. There's this guy in the band who I think just does electronics and tape delay. Um, I'm not sure if he was with the band throughout its entire discography, but his name's Noel Van Harmanson, I think. Um, so that kind of like layer, that backdrop of like turbulence almost. Kind of reminded me of the whole Tommy Hall electric jug thing from Thirteenth Floor mm-hmm. Elevators, or mm-hmm. or just like the you know the velvet the Velvets approach to white light white heat. So because
0: um, it's like it's almost always present. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it was. It's a Really yeah. distinguishing characteristic. Like mm. with the with the with the jug on Thirteenth Floor Elevators. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah
1: yeah so that's 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 kind of like those are the the parallels that i drew and um and yeah man what 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 great great guitar players like this was a this was a track or this band in general that kind of reminded me of that track in circles from t2 from the previous episode because because of the way that it kind of slowly escalates you know the first thing out of this out of the gate it's not like this they're just going haywire on their instruments it's like there's like a climactic kind of approach and that that's kind of like the structure of the song It's like they 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 slowly start upping the ante a little bit until this point where it's like this climactic point in the song but yeah. um but yeah, yes like the middle
0: the middle section of the song especially yeah where for sure. they they kind of like slow everything down and then they into almost like a sofoki kind of groove mm-hmm. and then over the course of the next three minutes, they they keep repeating the same group chords over and over. But there's every like other verse. There's just something the guitar, or the electronics is doing to kind of make it a little more noisy and a little crazier. And they're kind of turning that up like every few bars until it just devolves into like a tornado. It's like it, when I listened to this band and this track the The band just wants to go into tornado mode like all the fucking time, <laughs> uh, like they they basically that's like if you <clears throat> t- just turn them on that's what they do, but then like they're good enough, com- you know, compositionally and like from a dynamic standpoint to know like we can't be doing that like all the time like we gotta, kind of, we gotta we gotta like. Go into some other territory here, and then like, but we're don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna wind up back in the tornado. Like, you're never worried that they're not gonna get back there because that's just that's just their natural like stasis. That's their natural equilibrium state to be in. Yeah,
1: yeah, I love that tornado mode because that's basically what this sounds like. <laughs> is being in the middle of a fucking rock rock and roll tornado, you know, like um uh really, really. I mean, like really, really exciting band. But what's the record that came after this? You mentioned it earlier. Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Also much uh,
0: much more chill record. Actually, like, mm-hmm. uh, they definitely they definitely like are less chaotic on that on that particular album. And there's a lot of like almost like Neil Young kind of like things happening on that. It's a it's a great album. I mm-hmm. love that album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's really really great. For me, this is the one that's like equal parts 70s hard rock, Detroit kind of like pre punk, like, and then also like Hawk Hawkwind, and, yeah, and shit like it's shit like that all happening at the same time, and like it makes sense. Like the Stooges were were really into jazz, MC Five were really into like free jazz and shit like that. So you kind of hear all those things colliding at one time. Good call, good
1: call in MC Five, yeah,
0: yeah. But the attitude here is is just is is to me is like punk, is like punk rock, like it's it's psych rock played probably by like a bunch of like you know, stinky
1: punks. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They don't look, they don't look well washed in the (laughs) concert video. (laughs) They look like they're in desperate need of a, you know, a shower.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Anything, uh, anything else with a whiskey river comments on fire?
1: Uh, Just for your listeners out there, check out this record, blue cathedral. It's, it's a, mammoth behemoth like psych rock crazy record i think you'll really really like it so so i'm glad you picked it
0: next one this clay this was your pick Mm -hmm. um this the band is dead meadow the track is babbling flower Uh album is called shivering king and others this Uh is from 2003 Uh um and the riff master here is dude named jason simon so um uh dead meadow why did why did you pick this why is it important and uh we we saw this band once right
1: san francisco i think yeah no no uh or twice even san francisco and, oh, we probably saw him a couple times. And Rhythm Room. We saw him at Rhythm Room. I was,
0: we did see him at the Rhythm Room. They were great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, I was thinking of the San Francisco show. And I remember we were, we were in San Francisco to see Neurosis, right? Yep. But And then, so we were going to the show, I think maybe the night before even. So it was kind of like the, oh, I'm here. I'm really excited for Neurosis, but cool. There's like a little show here in the meantime. And I remember not being really that familiar with them, with yeah. their stuff, and then seeing them and just being like, holy fuck this band is so good live, like yeah un- un- unreal how good they are but anyway
1: yeah um they okay uh it's funny funny kind of backstory with them i guess they're a bunch of like dc hardcore punk kids who decided to start like a, a doom band you know um but you know it's <laughs> it's definitely like the through lines to um you know late 60s early 70s psych rock are definitely there um much of what I love about them is, is is Simon's guitar tone, Jason Simon's guitar tone, like real fuzzy. I love the washed out kind of wah sound, the delay, the whole roto vibe pedal. Everything's like almost shimmering, kind of like psychedelic. You know, the vibes are really atmospheric, kind of hypnotic, meditative those types of things it's definitely a band you can like really get lost in kind of like Mm -hmm. zone out to you know i think it's like i think it's like stoner pretty much stoner rock through and through um you know with an emphasis on the blues riff a lot of the earlier some of the other picks on this were not maybe not emphasizing that as much but um you know this is a band that you know while utilizing riffs in the right way it's like they don't always kind of lean on it i'd say you know like a the psych acid rock influence is really prominent, especially on this record. And they usually, and they use the bass um, really, really well. Um, you mentioned, I think when we were discussing Harvey Milk, you know, how much, how integral the bass was to that particular song and that particular record. I think this is one of those bands that really kind of like, uh, you know, um, oh gosh, it's escaping me. The, uh, the, the Flint, Michigan, like groovy R and B band I picked from a,
0: Oh, uh, Grand Funk. Yeah, gah,
1: yeah, yeah. Grand Funk. So like, you know that Grand Funk's Red album. You know, like it kind of reminds me that like, like they're they're going for the mid tempo groove thing. They're not really trying to blow anybody away, but they're still like super heavy. You know, they're not going to play anything too fast. Yeah, they're 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 definitely coming from a late '60s kind of vantage point with more of a focus on on the groove than I would say like "Comets on Fire" yes, or something like definitely. that. And and, there, and and the and and the repetition of doom and and stoner rock and metal and just kind of meditating on that. Um, but you know similarities to a band like Comets on Fire too, because I think Simon makes terrific use of wah delay and rotary and the types of effects that are prominent, prevalent, and um, Comets on Fire stuff. Uh, and it all just really adds like those elements of te- texture and density and. You know, creates this really spaced out, like, kaleidoscopic, psychedelic sound, which is cool. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other bands that traffic in in this kind of uh, sound, you know, like, the Black a Angel. A lot. Yeah. Way, yeah.
0: I would say way too many.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is kind of like one, unfortunately, inundated, you know. But, you know, standouts, Black Angels, I think they're from Texas, right? Black Mountain. Yeah. Um, who we'll get to, but uh, this is probably Dead Meadows' best record, in my opinion. My my gateway with the band was the record called Slow Growth, which I think is one of their later ones, and that's just like a great kind of chill stoner rock record. Production's a little cleaner, sh- songs are a little shorter, more of a focus on structure and melody and writing four- to six-minute tracks as opposed to 10- to 12-minute tracks, but... um, so yeah, not to mention like you know you and I have seen them a couple of times and they're really really fun to watch live. Um, you know, just one of those bands that you just kind of find yourself like nodding your head to and like you know standing there and all of a sudden an hour's gone by and you don't realize it. You know, mm-hmm. 100% so percent that kind of band. <laughs> yeah. So what? what uh What do you think about Dead Meadow?
0: You know, I, I've always liked this band. I've never, I've never, I've never really picked out an album and just sat there and like listened to it too much. Mm -hmm. So when you pick this one and I listen to it in, you know, I'll be honest, like the first couple of minutes, you know, I'm just kind of like, oh, I think I know what to expect here, you know, like because I haven't listened to them in years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it starts off. And this is what I was saying before, where there's too many of these kinds of bands that do you hear the opening riff. It's like like, the whole just like that kind of like progression of stoner riffs that you hear sometimes. What that does for me is I just immediately kind of get like, oh, okay, it's this kind of thing, like, uh, uh. yeah, and I get a little like, um, uh, weary. But this, the way the song like plays out, is just like, uh, it's, it's 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 unbelievable. Like, yeah. I love the the wah guitar and the solo in the song is so fucking great. They're a very like droning kind of band, mm-hmm. and and I feel and I hear the drums and they're to me very influenced by Bill Ward. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is a very uh, maybe of all the track so far this is the most sabbathy mm-hmm. um definitely for sure, for a cer- sure certain type of sabbath i mean this is definitely um your uh what do you like sweetleaf uh yeah. master of reality sabbath right this is definitely um, a master of reality riff. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yes, yes. for sure it's that like flavor of sabbath for sure in the song like there's vocals and like me- melody and a structure for like only, maybe only the first 2 minutes of the song and you think it's gonna be like kind of like a verse chorus kind of thing. And then it just goes direct into like jamming for the rest of the like four minutes of the song. Mm-hmm. And and it never really brings back any of like the that, that opening structure. And this dude, the guitarist, is just an absolute master of like layering guitars mm-hmm. and using effects to really like melt your face. Yeah. And create create this kind of thing where he's like basically performing like several solos like back to back to back. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like he's just Soloing, you know, letting the groove ride out for a couple for a a couple bars, and then going back to this a similar solo. Like he's using effects so uh, masterfully that he's he's switching between each solo and like bridging them together, um, and kind of like upping the intensity and like using 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 like blues soloing as a way of like almost a a layer of like ambience into the song. Yeah. yeah. So he, th- this guy is just like, uh, th- this is someone who spends, who has spent like thousands of hours just sitting alone with their guitar, and yeah. um, uh, what what he does in this track is is fucking amazing. The fun fact about uh, Dead Meadow, actually, like I remember when I when I was looking them up, I remember uh, there's a there's a scene in that in the the HBO series The Wire, where one of the main characters McNulty is. Um, walks into his kid's uh, bedroom and he's kind of like a little bit of like a deadbeat kind of dad mm-hmm. and um, he's kind of awkwardly trying to make conversation with them and they're like teenagers and, and they're like got long hair and there's music playing and it's Dead Meadow <laughs> um, and I didn't recognize it was Dead Meadow but I, it's very stonery kind of like hard hard rock kind of thing and he walks in and he like asks them like hey what are you guys listening to and, th- and then they say Dead Meadow and then he makes some kind of snarky comment about how like music sucks these days you know uh-huh. and um. And the teenager's are like, oh, yeah, dad, fuck you. You're-. <laughs> um, but I remember, I remember, I, I distinctly remember that scene because I'm like, Ted Meadow, how the fuck did Dead Meadow make it in the wire? Yeah. The riff master in this band, his name's Jason Simon. Uh,
1: no shit. His
0: uncle is David Simon. What? <laughs>
1: oh, my yeah. God. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: So a little bit of nepotism there.
1: <laughs> Never put that together, but that's fucking cool. I didn't I
0: didn't either until I went on Wikipedia like the other day and I was like looking some more shit up about Dead Meadow and I was like, "Oh, that's why they made it into The Wire." Like I thought maybe just somebody was into the band and just like kind of put it in yeah. to that scene, you know, snuck it in or something.
1: That is super interesting. Yeah, I um I knew. I was like, "Okay, so Wire takes place in Baltimore, right? And and Dead Meadow's like a uh, uh DC, yeah, not band, far. DC's dude. not far, right? I don't think so. Um, I've been to DC, but never Baltimore. I'm not sure, but so I thought geographically, like you know how David Simon's a master of you know research and really knowing, you know, like to to an obscene amount of detail, like the the the, <laughs> the facts and circumstances of right of everything. Not in this and, case I don't think and, and, and wanting to, yeah.
0: This was one of two scenarios. This was either Dave Simon's, like, oh, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna plug my uh, my nephew's band into this episode, or the nephew's, like, hey, like, you yeah. gotta get me in. our fucking music into the wire, Uncle, right? Uncle like, Dave, <laughs> Uncle Dave, yo, put us in, bro,
1: <laughs> help us out. That's uh, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know this. You know, I, I I love this band. I think they're great. Um, you know, if this is the type of thing, this unfortunately we, we talked about this. It, it's like the sound it's heavily trafficked it's well tread so it you you know if you're like you it's you can get burnt out on things like this and like and in this record this song this track in particular it's it's kind of as you said the the opening minutes aren't what i love about it like the the beginning riff is is it's like yeah it's like a master of reality sabbath riff it's like not necessarily anything to distinguish the song from the rest of the record but it's where the song kind of goes from that from that point yeah um, that, that I really, really liked. And, and that little, that kind of like little wah breakdown in the middle there for a couple bars, I really like. And yeah, it's, and you, you did a really great job of describing how well he uses these effects. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just a fucking master at it. He's not out there to, he's not John Cobbett, you know, he's not out there to like, you know, shred, melt, melt faces, but he's, he's doing it in a different way, not with, with incredible fast playing, um, but just with creating this super dense textural kind of thing with all of the different pedals that he uses and the manner that he plays. And, um, I think everything really comes together for this band on this record, um, which is the reason I think it's probably my favorite of theirs. And I'm not too familiar with the rest of their discography either. I know a couple others, um, but you know, they have a decent amount of output. So But yeah, I mean definitely check out Shivering King. Um all your listeners out there, if you haven't already, check out Shivering King. I think it's Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really good uh it's really good music to kind of zone out to and get mm-hmm. lost in and, you know, kind of chill chill out too.
0: If you like the more hypnotic kinda like part of heavy hard rock shit like ohm or even dope smoker yeah or right. or um earthless uh this is the i mean dead meadows like are, are right up there is one of the one of the best and i think it took me seeing them live to re, for to really like for that to really dawn on me so yeah great pick
1: if you hear like some 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 like weird like slopping noises in the background it's because my dog's licking my toes just for, for all you <laughs> listeners out there
0: <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna be able to edit that out. So yeah, that's fine. Have to, we have to subject subject the listeners to this. Right, they
1: probably can't hear it, but just in case, you know,
0: I'm gonna try and zoom in on the audio
1: and like you're just gonna just en- crank, en- it, up, crank it. it up
0: as crank it up and enhance it as much as possible.
1: <laughs> They're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs>
0: and just play it play out at different points in the
1: episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's Olive. Olive's hanging out with me. Just you know. Dogs are welcome, man. You can see it right there. (laughs)
0: She's like, what the fuck are you doing for so long? (laughs) one is a me pick, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, although, yeah, if I, I have a feeling if uh, one of us, if I didn't pick this, not this track, but you would have, if I didn't pick something from this band, you would have. Absolutely. Um, so this is uh, the band Boris. The track is called Electric. Um, the album is Pink from 2005. The riff master here is uh, Wata, but I think Takeshi writes a, a lot of riffs too mm-hmm. Pink, and plays that double, you know, that guitar bass combo so i i I don't want to say wata is like the sole riff master or writing um in fact shit, the the drummer might write riffs too who knows Um, but in terms of in terms of the playing um it's it's probably them too and oh man there's so much to fucking say about boris i don't even really know where to start (laughs) (laughs) they're a japanese band that's been around since 1996 and i would put them up there with like harvey milk as a band that like will go down in history and also as a band which, like, excelled at so many different styles of, of heavy and hard rock. What's your uh, experience with Boris and, and this album? And, like, what was your first exposure to them? And kind of how do they link back to to uh, the uh, 70s uh, uh, kind of dinosaur shit that we've been talking about? Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I mean, first off, let me just say, like, I think Boris is... And maybe I can probably... I safe, safe, Maybe safe to assume that I can speak for both of us when I say... It's this is one of the best live bands that I've personally ever seen I mean they tour frequently so we've had you and I have had you know ample opportunity to see them and we've taken advantage of it we've seen, we've seen
0: them like eight or nine times uh,
1: I think. Uh, probably more than any other band but they never <laughs> yeah. they never disappoint okay so it's like for those of you who have not been to a Boris show, let's just break it down okay it's one of the loudest shows you'll ever go to you know. I mean, bands are constantly trying to up the ante in that regard, so who knows nowadays. But, you know, five, ten years ago, it was one of the loudest shows that I had ever been. Just monumental sound, huge, orange stacks up to the ceiling, you know, Black Les Pauls, Takeshi's double neck, bass, you know, guitar thing. Mm -hmm. Atsuo's gong, you know, Atsuo's the drummer. He comes out in this, like, I don't know if we've already (laughs) talked about this on this episode, but... but like he come- no. oh all oh, he knocked my beer we, over we talk about this this subject frequently yeah it's because it's one of like the great it's one of the great like live experiences um like cuz he comes out with this like flowing mane of black hair and like uh this this you know japanese guy who's kind of like petite you know he's not very tall or big and he comes out in this uh you know this this like sequined studded white jumper and he looks like a, a lion tamer from, like, Siegfried and Roy or some shit. And, and he's playing, like, uh, he's playing, like, this, the most heavy badass Doom. And, like, before, in between, several times throughout every song, he'll just, he's got the, he's got the hands-free mic, you know, the headset. And he just goes, yo! And it's just awesome. Man, it's... it's-
0: it's it's tricky cuz like i don't think anyone looks cool with that headset like no one does you cannot like look cool and rock but uh, everything else just cancels uh, about this wonderful human being just cancels it out yeah it's, it, it's... cuz like boris is kind of like ominous sometimes you know they have a lot of different moods in their music and one of them can be like very dark and ominous and like like heavy yeah um Mm -hmm. in like a flower traveling band kind of way i don't just say that because they're both japanese like there's just a continuation from a lot of like that dark uh, underground japanese hard rock that makes its way into boris's dna like they've gone on record of saying that yeah yeah but um you know when they're playing tracks like this like the one we're about to hear electric like the more indebted to like hard 70s blue cheer sabbath kind of rock uh, the drummer is just like so animated and crazy, and like hyping up the crowd so hard. So it's, you get this like ominous Boris that's like so fucking heavy and like earth shattering. And then you get this like fun as fuck, like pour beer on the person next to his head kind of like <laughs> <laughs> band kind of thing. Yeah. And like throw them in the pit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they do offer some like a pretty wide range, emotional range, you know, to their music and, and, you know, if they're, still, if they're still playing small clubs where you live, whenever live music becomes a routine part of our lives again, you know, like, if you, if you get the opportunity to see Boris in a, in a small club, do it. You know, they're like, they fill the place with smoke. It's loud as hell. I mean, the, their presence is like something on the stage, you know, and their sound is so huge um you asked like kind of what my entry point gateway into this band was for me it was this record it was pink and you know i consider this to be one of the best like heavy rock slash records of the past 20 years the riffs are are just on point throughout this whole thing you know and it kind of starts off like i like the fact i don't know if you get like if you have an opinion on this but you know the way that the record starts out with this kind of shoegaze kind of track this farewell. it's called farewell um and it's a little mellow and self-reflective still heavy and loud as shit but it's not pardon me not fast-paced um and not a track one would naturally kind of regard as an opener right there's
0: different versions of this album that have different track lists and there's one version or maybe multiple versions that don't have this song at the beginning too yeah There's, there's another version of this of this album that has the song i think pink at the beginning
1: yeah i've heard that i've heard that
0: but I, I think you're i think you're right the most popular u.s version i think is the one with farewell at the, at the at the top yeah
1: it's the only one that i've heard i i have the um i have the like i think was it Southern issue was it southern lord who put that out i don't remember uh
0: i think it was sergeant house oh okay the the, the, the pink deluxe one yeah 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 yeah
1: so that's the only one that I know, but I mean, yeah, I, it's funny because farewell does not seem like the song that should kick this thing off, but then the title track comes in and, and it, I, I, I like how they did that, like at least on the, whatever, the American version of it, um, they lulled you a little bit, not to sleep, but they kind of like put you at peace with this one kind of like it's a heavy song but it's
0: it sounds like it sounds like my bloody valentine or something
1: like that. It does, yeah. It's
0: way it's way more has way more to do with shoegaze than it does with anything like metal or
1: hard or heavy. It's very it's very atmospheric and and um and then they just kick you right in the ass with with the title track. <laughs> um and then Atsuo I'm assuming Atsuo comes in with that howl, you know, and the and they and they're just off and it's off, you know. And yeah. uh I love it. I love that moment in this record. Atsuo, yeah, can't say enough can't say can't say too much about that dude. I mean, he's just he's just amazing. He's he's such a chauvin. Um yeah.
0: well and mostly like the meat of this record, like I would say the middle stuff uh, is this kind of like barn burner, like short to the point, kick your ass kind of like rock, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it's it yeah, this I think what was their last record that they put out?
0: Uh, I don't, I don't know who can keep track of this band anymore, but it was like, it was kind of like a return, return to like, yeah, kind of shit because this band, I mean, they're all over the place musically. Yeah. Very adventurous.
1: So, so adventurous. And they have so many, so many great like records, like Feedbacker, which is like this like 40 minute, like Colossus of Doom and Drone. It's probably like maybe their best record like or flood
0: it's a favorite for
1: sure heavy rock sakuma no uta like feedback and flood consist of just basically extended mini suites or tracks right like boris likes to take their time and they are two really beautiful pieces of music and just like you know flood is such a great rainy day record i'm I'm glad it's rainy
0: i i remember reading that um when boris puts out an album and the The word Boris is spelled in all caps. Uh-huh. You're gonna get a. You're gonna get like a heavy kick your ass rock record. Uh, and when awesome. it's in lower case, and when it's in lower cases, they're doing something just fucking completely different. Yeah, they're fearless. And I, I've I've never gone to check if that's like 100 true to the case or whatever, but I think just based on what I can think of, it sounds about right. I think they're like so. That, to me, Boris is like Harvey Milk in that way. Uh-huh. You know, they have this part of their sound, but it's not fully their sound whereas dead meadow like that's their sound right you know what i mean yeah like witchcraft like that's their sound
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 no 100 100 like but yeah they're one of these bands that like they're fearlessly experimental with varying degrees of success but it's kind of like you know like lou reed you know like that dude's swinging for the fence every time like it doesn't give a shit he doesn't give a shit if it's gonna land or not like he's fearless and is like and what he's going to experiment with and whatever he was going to do. And, he, you know, he probably had as many records that were critically panned as were critically revered, you know, mm-hmm. but that's just, that was just his mode. That was just his way. And I'm not, I, I, I think that there's similarities just in that. I mean, Boris is, Boris has been really steady. I'm not saying any of their output sucks or anything like that. I I mean, there's stuff that I prefer the heavier, doomier stuff. I prefer to some of like the other kind of stuff, but, sure but even if you
0: if you stumble on a borsalm and you're like oh this is not for me mm-hmm. don't worry about it like they're not going to stay there you know what i mean like yeah. they're going to they're already on to some other shit you know so that's the thing like it's not so much slumps in their catalog as it is they're just they're just adventuring around and you just kind of like got to got to take what you can yeah. from what they do and be open to it. And you, you're you not going to like everything. There's just, there's probably no way. I mean, there's sure there's some super fans that love everything they do and their approach. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, it's like you're saying, they're, they're swinging for it every time.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, how many Doom records can you put out? You know? <laughs> the, yeah, it, yeah.
0: That's the other thing. Like, we're, we're like, literally the best fucking band yeah. to do, like, this kind of crushing heavy doom since like sleep so like i don't know what 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 you want more from us like, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah I, I mean the 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 um their their collabs with like like noise and drone and ambient like um you know the people who are like on kind of the vanguard of those types of the yeah, styles of music. yeah mm-hmm keiji haino they have a
0: son collab too yeah
1: yeah like that's that's the kind of stuff that's like wow you guys are like really in um, to exploring like different things artistically and that's admirable you know the i was like i was listening to flood this morning and you know oh, the beginning so good yeah dude you know the beginning of that tune could be like terry riley you know what i mean yeah like yeah 100 just this clean guitar loop with these big booms and washes kind of simulating the sounds of waves it's like that could be minimalist terry- new age yeah kind of music. <laughs> it could be yeah until it becomes you know later on something else entirely but such a great band.
0: Well, that's that, That's the side of Boris that you're talking about is like the the drone experimental, drone metal kind of like side. Like they were, th- their profile was in part like raised up by this album, but also because groups like Earth and Sun started to get like written up in like the New York Times and shit like that. Yeah. Because of like their sort of artful approach to like, you know, doom and metal and j- as, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this track i mean I, I again i did this i did this again where i picked a track that doesn't have any vocals on it mm-hmm. <laughs> just because I, I this track just fucking grooves way too hard you know yeah um this song is like super uncomplicated it's 2 minutes i think maybe under two, minute, 2 minutes and it's kind of everything you want out of like 70s hard rock groove it's just like the perfect power trio i think this has some kind of connection to like your ZZ Top's and your Grand Funk's not necessarily like it's not as soulful i would say as that stuff Mm -hmm. or rooted in like american kind of like you know types of music but uh you just got to be fucking dead not to like move to something like this you know
1: right right yeah Um, i mean it's yeah that the energy the energy is so crazy throughout like some of like the faster tracks on this record and um it's just it's a classic man yeah i mean like boris has so many classics um, and, uh, I can't wait till, you know, again, like live music becomes a thing again because for whatever reason, they always come to Phoenix. <laughs> they
0: always come everywhere. Yeah, they're from Japan too. They tour. They're in the U.S. more than U.S. bands are. Yeah, true. Uh, true. They can't. They can't sit still. And then probably the volume of output that they have. They just want to take the stuff out on the road like all the time. That's why we can. You can see them eight or nine times, and it's in, and it's fun and interesting every time because you're not getting the exact same set list mm. or anything like that. They have you know so much that they can pull from, but. Um, yeah yeah i've also like tried i've tried a bunch to like play some of this stuff off pink on bass and it kind of like in my mind i'm like this is easy it's just fast Uh you know and then i'm like no this is fucking really hard to play man it's really really in the pocket and it's crazy how fast they're playing on a lot of this stuff i mean it's really taking like zz top and grand funk and all that power trio shit like blue cheer and Uh like doing it 6 7 times as fast. Yeah. This
1: is to Takeshi, is it? Takeshi who's playing the bass. Um Yeah. I is think so. Yeah, is he is he playing with a pick or no? I can't remember. Uh,
0: I don't think so.
1: Yeah, cuz if he's not that's even more impressive. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Well, and it's often that the guitar and the bass are doing the same riff, you know what I mean? Like they're just like kind of like following each other, but it's just, it's so, it's like all these pull-ons like that are super fast that I'm, I just don't have the dexterity to do it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They're they're a fan of the, the pull-on, hammer-off kind of deal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's so fun to watch them play it too. I love their gear. I'm so jealous of their gear as a guitar player, you know? They have like those orange amps stacked up to the roof, you know what I mean? Like those like, Black Les Paul Customs. And I guess she's the only person I've ever seen play a dual bass and guitar, like double neck on a stage before. And he does it with uh, gusto. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It, it really, really works. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. But yeah. Yeah. Boris, fucking incredible band. But going to be good to go down in history, definitely, if not, if not already. Yeah. Um, anything else? Anything else with uh, Boris and Pink?
1: um no, well, I mean, I guess for the completely uninitiated, I, I don't know if you mentioned this already or not, but they take their name from a Melbourne's tune, which would make a lot oh, of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but other than that, yeah, to all your listeners out there and familiar, please give these guys their due. They're they're worth every second of your attention.
0: All right, so let's listen to "Electric" by Boris. <laughs> This next one is a clay pick. We got the track Tyrants from Black Mountain. The album is called In the Future from 2008. And the riff master here is Stephen McBean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us a little bit of uh, background on, on Black Mountain. And and why did you pick this this track?
1: um definitely one of those bands i feel like we're born in the wrong decade you know (laughs) Uh, you know this record in the future is the only one that i that i'm super familiar with i've heard some of their other stuff but this is like the one that this is my go-to it's kind of like witchcraft like i was unable to let go of this one particular record um i know that they've been um consistently putting out stuff throughout the 2010s and they have a lot of more recent material out there that I should probably check out, but I'm really only qualified to discuss this one record with you all. But in my opinion, it's their best. I have sort I have heard some of their others. Um, it's, it's, it just has a ton of super fun riffs in it. This is probably like, like the most classic rocky of all the bands on this list today, but they really know how to put a song. I mean, the, like their arrangements, they're obviously paying homage to like the titans of arena rock here, but. Um, mcbean can write a riff dude i mean i don't know any other mm-hmm. way to put it like stormy high tyrants queens will play bright lights like all tracks from this record featuring like you know solid solid riffs especially stormy high and this one tyrants um yeah which is my favorite track on this record because it has the coolest riffs and and features um i think
0: very sabbathy riff
1: yeah, Amber Webbers, I think that's her name, but she was a vocalist, the female vocalist at the time. She sounds so, she sounds so much like Grace Slick to me from Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure she's probably sick of hearing that, but it, it's true. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so, I mean, Bright Lights is another good example of one of these tracks on this record. It's like starting off like a Pink Floyd, Animals-esque kind of opening segue into this like hard charging riff that was probably off Savvy, uh, Sa- Sa- Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, you know. Um, yeah. But they have breadth too, you know. Um, the song "Angels" could be like a Jason Molina track, you know. "Stay Free" is like this beautiful acoustic ballad, one of my favorite tracks on the record. And "Wild Wind" is like sounds like hunky dory era Bowie.
0: Yeah, they're they're just all over the seventies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
0: they're they're this guy's entire record collection is, it is encompassed in the seventies and it goes everywhere, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're like music nerds, is what it is, and like. But they know how to like harness like the elements of those different artists that made them great. So they're like reference points in your mind when you're listening to these tracks. But they're also like, you know, this band is, yes. is, 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 is doing this kind of like thing where they're, you know, this hybridization of all these great uh, 70s bands. You're right. It is all 70s stuff. And, but Um,
0: on this album they're they're packaging it in like a 70s hard rock slash prog rock aesthetic yeah and like concept album you know what i mean right it's almost like a pink floyd approach Uh uh-huh
1: yeah yeah and you can definitely hear that too um they're drawing from a pretty wide deep you know pool of influences and they just love the classics i think i mean um it's funny i was thinking about this it's like definitely just in our heads, right? That each decade's music sounds a little bit different from the next, because why should it be that like things change in 1970 versus 1969 or something? They don't, you know, it's not like a switch flips, but it's always just like, it's funny to me how we have these, these, and it makes sense. And there's, and there's a reason to it, but it's always, it's always by decade. You know what I mean? It's always like, you know, the seventies, the eighties, the sixties, like we're just so used to conceptualizing movements and music that way. But I mean, it, it makes sense. There's a chronology to it. So, um, but uh, but yeah, Black Mountain, um, you know, in the future is the name of this record. Um, if you're again a fan of the classics, it's it's hard to put this one down or turn this one off. It's um, very satisfying record to to listen to. I don't know what, what do you what do you uh, give me your take on uh, Black Mountain?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely with all that. How much like Prague do you think is in this? Like this track, this track especially, I think has is like leaning heavy into like seventies concept album, like prog kind of stuff. Definitely,
1: definitely. I think I think the the thing that does it for me is the uh, is the uh, the sense, you know, the super spacey sense, you know, um, behind the vocals that go throughout, you know, the first I guess half of the song or whatever, until the climactic epic riff you know what i'm talking about yeah. um best part but about it's not this like a king,
0: it's not a king crimson thing though like it doesn't have the the master musician no approach to like prog uh-huh. it's kind of like and, and not you know they're, 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 these are perfectly capable and, and great players right. um but you know they're not trying to sh- show you some chops here like in time signatures and and all that shit they're kind of taking like the um i think they're they're taking the flourishes and the bells and whistles of Prague, like instrumentally mm-hmm. and kind of compositionally um, like the theatrical, theatrical kind of part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: Oh, sorry for it. Yeah. Sorry. it just jumped in right there, but no, yeah, no, I was just going to say like, I don't think Big Bean's very interested in soloing at all. Like as far as I can remember, no. this record doesn't feature sol- solos prominently at all. Um, but he does love the riff, you know, and I think he does love tapping into those different, styles of 70s music you know that we talked about Frog definitely being one of them i mean that's definitely an influence here adam Hartmother kind of kind of thing exactly you know? yeah like yeah. yeah there's three songs in particular the the lengthiest tracks where you can kind of get that influence from for sure you can you can hear mm-hmm. it there so yeah i mean that this 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 song in particular features that that one riff like the middle section of the song um that is just I think a thing of beauty. I don't know. It's just such a satisfying riff. So epic. It's like writing into battle music.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's th- it's Thin Lizzy ish. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No. It's pretty. It's it's pretty fucking epic. Um, in that in that way, it reminds me of Emerald or something like that. Oh, for sure. These guys definitely like. They just love. It's like you're saying, born the wrong decade. They're, I guarantee their record collections are predominantly '70s albums. And I think you're right. They're all over the place. They're like mm-hmm. Bowie and t-rex and mm-hmm. neil young but i mean at least half of their sound is like your sabbath your deep purple your um thin lizzie like that that kind of thing and definitely a- adjacent to that right next to that is like a- like genesis and yes mm-hmm. um you know probably probably some king crimson as well that kind of thing and, and then another part of it is like that pink floyd and gong kind of like psych thing too um so th- this is definitely a band that's like into, I feel like they're probably into albums more so than they're into like bands or songs. Yeah. And that's really the 70s is where like concept albums really started to like become, you know, sought after and created and an, and sort of an expected thing, especially among like hard rocking bands like this, you know? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of other genres of music that have so many concept albums for better or for worse. I'm not even saying it's like, a, this is a purely good thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you're saying, like there's 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 so many killer riffs throughout this entire song, and the synthesizers are, are subtle and add a really nice touch. So yeah, um, this is this is fucking great. It looks it's music that looks exactly like with the album cover. <laughs> look at, so every, everyone should look at the album cover.
1: So true, so true. Um, but it's one of those I, I I I you know I don't want to even call it a guilty pleasure because you know there's no whatever should move no guilt yeah. in listening to the music that you're into, but i just mean in the sense that like they're definitely of a decade they're definitely going for a sound it's definitely retro but you know we've talked about there's bands that can execute that well and bands that are just rehashing some bullshit for commercial appeal or whatever this is not that band these guys are music nerds you know you get a sense that they definitely have uh you know they definitely grew up listening to this shit and you know Mm -hmm. this is the music that speaks to them it resonates with them and this is what they want to play and Um, And they do it well. McBean can write a hell of a riff and, you know, there's some really, really great, like classic rock sounding songs on this record, you know, that I think will hopefully stand the test of time a little bit, but we'll see.
0: This is like among the most approachable shit on our on our whole list, I would say, if you're ever ever trying to radicalize somebody (laughs) into like into like prog rock, especially like hard rock, heavy prog, heavy psych, give them this album there's a lot to like here from a very broad perspective. Um I feel like anyone can turn on classic rock like station and like most of what they're hearing, like this is this is not that far removed from any of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely uh, that's uh, that's a really good point actually. This is this is like a good gateway into really really cool deep areas of music that are, you know, if you're looking to get into that kind of stuff, so.
0: Yeah. And honestly for like you and I like we we got, we can get pretty deep <laughs> shit sometimes where we're like v- really in the deep end. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's good just to go back out to like something that's not quite as like uh, fringe and specific and like adve- uh, adventurous even. Yeah. like th- these records like this end up being extremely satisfying and have a lot of staying power. I find. Yeah. Um. The more the more you the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, like sometimes you just gotta fucking hop out of that bitch mm-hmm. and just grab like something like this which is just so like it's right at the top it's right at the top of the rabbit hole so it's i don't know i get a lot of satisfaction out of stuff like this
1: yeah for sure mm-hmm. no i think that's also a really good point i mean it's like you know these these are records that like you know i i had i didn't listen to this record for i was probably on my radar around 2010 eight yeah. something like that you know 2008 probably and um or somewhere this in it
0: the album is it. 2000 is 2008 yeah. yeah i think that's when i first kind of got hold of them yeah
1: yeah and then like i i listened to this record like shit ton of times and then put it down and like recently i i just kind of been revisiting like a lot of these kind of gateway records like you and i were talking about and yeah it's i i mean i really like the point that you just made you can go down a rabbit hole for so long but sometimes you need kind of like a reset like it's it's fun to remind yourself why you're what appealed to this style of music you know in the first place like what what got you here you know what i mean so it's like uh you know it's cool to kind of go back and revisit some of those records but uh yeah this was a good one i hope you uh, hope your folks out there will enjoy it all
0: right so uh this is tyrants by black mountain mm.
2: Time you be tired.
0: Okay, we have arrived at the end. We're at the uh, the famed track eight, the finale. This is my pick. This is the Devil's Blood, River of Gold. This is from the Come Reap. Uh, this is an EP actually, from 2008. Um, yeah, another 2008. I swear, all of our all of our picks, aside from Harvey Milk, were pre 20 2010. Isn't that oh, crazy? really? We yeah. Didn't pick, oh. We didn't pick anything from the last ten years. Oh,
1: uh, well, interesting. It's kind of funny how that happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We could probably do a third episode on just
1: 2010 to 2021. <laughs> Sonic Cloth Nation is like, after like four and a half hours, like, yo, let's let's t- turn the page, you know?
0: They're like, dude, fucking enough of this riff shit. <laughs> this is a, I'm done. I'm done. Get out of here. <laughs> um, so this this is, um, yeah, so it's from 08. The riff master here is a dude named uh, Salim Lamushi, who, and, and his sister has also uh, fronted the band Farida. And uh, this is I guess a deeper cut, I suppose. because um, this band never really took off here in the States. Um, I think they're they're much more known in in Europe and they're, this is a Dutch band. Uh-huh. Um, but this is another one of those bands that got pegged as like an occult rock band like I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because they're like overt, overtly like satanic in a lot of like, their, <laughs> their imagery. Like, they, they present almost like an e- super evil black metal band. Like especially aesthetically and 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 whatnot, like they take their Satan extremely seriously. But the music the music is nothing like those Norwegian black metal bands. The music is like groovy and catchy. And it reminds me of kind of a, an an aspect of seventies rock that I don't think we've gotten into with the other tracks. And I would say it's like that blue oyster cult, Uriah Heap. And uh-huh. this in this, I think. Yeah. More than like Sabbath or Deep Purple. And I think maybe I can hear like some of like the more mystical kind of like Zeppelin stuff in this this track. Like there's almost like a, a, I get reminded of like Immigrant Song with this track a little bit. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just because I got that groovy, gallopy kind of thing that's kind of proto-metal to me. Uh Uh-huh. So I think the song like this harkens back to like those 70s bands that were a little more darker, Uh maybe a little more like esoteric and kind of paving the way for... For some of the metal that would come out of the eighties, like Merciful Fate and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But um I don't know, I don't know. What, What was your take? Do you know did you know this band before? And um what was your take on like this track and stuff? I
1: might I can't I can't say for sure whether I knew them before you picked it, um, because you know, my I've been in this realm, this area of music for, you know, kind of like exploring this genres, these genres and sub genres about everything that we've been talking about for a while. So I can't really it's not something that was in like my rotation for sure, but, but yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you got it pretty much right on. I mean, like definitely drawing inspiration from some like proto metal kind of stuff, but it's also not like the riffy kind of 70s rock that we've been talking about. And I do think it's like, it, it's fun that sort of juxtaposition of like, here's the satanic imagery to like, a song that my mom could have probably danced to if she was like some hippie, <laughs> if if some some hippie chick, you know, You're right? You know what I mean? That's
0: a very good point. That's a very good point. Like this is this is potentially that accessible if you you know just heard it.
1: Yeah. No. No. I think all of like you know the Peter Green era of Fleetwood Mac and and the Blue Oyster Cult references and stuff like that definitely definitely ring true. And I think you know this is a band that that sort of. um you know, kind of burst through with like a, like this group of other bands that was like bringing, you know, like reviving, you know, early 70s kind of like heavier, you know, I'm talking about like in Solitude and Witch Mountain, Dawnbringer, yeah. Christian Mistress, bands like that. Yeah. Um, Big time. You know, so, so, but, and all of those bands rule, you know, and, and listen, another thing just uh, off the, cuff impression about them it's like one of those bands that you i've never seen them live but you can tell they would be a fucking blast right yeah. um uh, anything with like satanic altars is, is fun is a good bit of fun i'm thinking of like <laughs> i'm thinking of like the watain show we went to once and uh, mm-hmm. at the clubhouse in tempe where like they had like an actual pig's head on the stage or something and it was like there was fake blood everywhere and the place just reeked and they had all these candles and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> yes. And interesting you mentioned Watain because uh, this band was extremely like good friends with, with Watain as well. Oh, no shit. Uh, and in Solitude, yeah. They're kind of part of that whole scene. and
1: They and go to the same satanic bars. The same satanic bingo halls.
0: They go to the same farm to slaughter goats.
1: <laughs> yeah, they collect their yeah goat carcasses from the same... They have the same goat supply, dead goat supplier, probably.
0: But like that, that you know, In Solitude is also part of that as well. And these, if you look at like Watane, Devil's Blood, In Solitude, Christian Mistress, these bands. Like they're all varying degrees of of metal, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, like Watain is like extreme fucking blasphemous black metal, mm-hmm. and Solitude is like very much heavy metal, like King Diamond, Merciful Fate influence thing. And then these guys are like before any there was any of that stuff. You know, I mean, just the the era that they're going back to. It's it's not metal mm-hmm. in the son in like the sonics of it, but it's like it, definitely in the spirit. They, they're all kind of channeling Satan, but with different like different levels of extremity. Mm-hmm. And Devil's Blood is that like the group grooviest, catchiest, most you know. Yeah, I would say somewhat accessible side of that. Right, right. Yeah.
1: No, I mean this was this was a good. What was the band? Maybe you could help me remember what that band was that we were talking about. This was part of our music exchange where it was like they definitely had this kind of sound. Was it Chapel or something? Uh, Chapel of Disease. Chapel of Disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Am, am I am I on point there or am I off? Like yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. I would say. I would say that whole crop of bands we just talked about like a minute ago is like a a direct, like now you have Chapel of Disease, Tribulation. Mm -hmm. um, Like who else is in this? Kind of like more like almost like bringing a lot of goth rock like into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kind of this almost like Cartoonish level of darkness and like, yeah. Transylvanian kind of thing. tribulation is like they're the Ro- kind of romantic kind of like thing happening, yeah,
1: yeah. Tribulation is like definitely that, that band. But I, um, they're I haven't heard their most recent record, but their two before that, Down Below, was great, great record. And um, what was the one before that? Also, really good. They might have, the one before that was even really good. Tribulation was awesome. Um, children of the night right children of the night yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um good yeah
0: show. amazing amazing band but I think you know the devil's blood and all this stuff was like at least like five six seven eight years like before a lot of that stuff kicked in and and that kind of stuff is the cult stuff is really popular now mm-hmm. um so I think this band could have been really big but like um the main songwriter uh Salim died in 2014. So and the Ghost is the other like band that's they're massive now. They play fucking arenas. Mm. Um, and they're they're like the most they're the most commercially successful Mm -hmm. of this kind of like occult kind of metal rock kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And again, Ghost is a band that like
1: (laughs) with mainstream appeal,
0: mainstream appeal. But I don't know where they would be without like the influence of say a Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 all it's all there. Um, so I don't know. You know, I wanted to feature something something on here that was kind of like very, very proto-metal um, and groovy because uh, not, you know, um, I don't know. This is this to me is a hell of a lot more accessible than, say, any kind of extreme metal mm-hmm. um, and is even a great stepping stone into like heavier and more volatile musical territory. Mm-hmm. But it still carries a lot of the same hallmarks of what people broadly enjoy about rock and roll. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see where like this this kind of occult rock thing continues on to. But um, also, this song is just like super infectious, like super fun song. Like I, I just, I just love it. It's so, it's so immediate to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like yeah. Fine. It, it's these these bands are a lot of fun. You know, it's like making making like satanic worship <laughs> like fun. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, just like. Bringing people to the dance floor a little bit, like, or, like, revisiting, like, some uh, some smooth 70s vibes, but with, like, a, a few dashes of Satanism, and I I don't know, I just get a kick out of it, I think it's great.
0: And it's, like, soulful, too, like, it's very, like, um, unafraid to, like, hit some, like, some, some real notes, especially vocally here, like, this this uh, vocalist Farida is, like, incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah, they make very good use of vocal harmonies, too, you know, so that's that's another aspect of their music that i don't think a lot of other bands from that era are really doing so Mm-mm. yeah no no no
0: yeah a lot of bands don't so that's that has this too yeah but yeah uh, anything else on on the devil's blood we're, we're definitely gonna have to go out on this one yeah
1: yeah um gosh what do we at now i don't know timing wise but uh <laughs> but no no nothing else to add um we're deeper than uh,
0: anyone is willing is willing to uh, stick around
1: for Oh, music. don't don't <laughs> underestimate your fan base, my friend. Um, they're all they're all music nerds or they wouldn't be here so. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I, I see I could see the stats on how long people people tune in so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. not that I'm uh, giving anyone a hard time fucking do what you got to do. Gotta mm-hmm. do through. <laughs> well, dude, um you know, I got to say I can't thank you enough for for kind of doing the work with me on this one. Mhm. I, I really appreciate it. And um, I'll have to have you back on like uh, uh, another rabbit hole for sure. Sometime maybe it's something that that's not riffs. That's for damn sure. <laughs>
1: There's still yeah. riffs part. We got to th- mix it up. There's still riffs part
0: three, four and five. Remember, yeah. come on. Riffs, yeah, riff city, r- riff country. Riff, yeah. Riff world, riffs, of, riffs
1: of the future. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, dude, it's been my pleasure. It's so much fun talking music with you. It's like this, I think, you know these conversations we used to have like all the, we still do have all the time you know just like having a couple beers on the weekends and just hanging out with our buddies and talking about music and stuff so this is like this is the stuff that I love to do it's like you know yeah. so so happy that you that you you know asked me to be on here and and my pleasure to do it and I'm happy to be back anytime if if your fans will have me I've been looking at the comments I don't know no
0: they don't get to decide they don't decide shit man. <laughs>
1: it's a dictatorship. that's right that's right so uh yeah dude my pleasure like great theme i loved exploring these like kind of revisiting some of these records and uh, you you pick some awesome tracks and you're the fucking wizard man you you're the you're the music guru and all of this shit by the way but everything that i know comes from comes from jamil basically so so uh for for all you out there
0: it comes from like the liner notes on the internet and then me like uh uh, subjecting you and punishing you <laughs> for for hours about the shit. <laughs> oh
1: well, hey, I I enjoyed every minute of it. So,
0: well, that's you know the whole impetus for for this podcast is just kind of like you know when you're hanging with your with your people and you are just and you, a song comes on and you like turn it up and you're like dude just listen to this shit yeah. check this out like that's like that whole like excitement you get from showing someone something and like kind of being curious what the reaction would be uh, like whether it's getting pissed that they don't care or like you know it's only people like us would like actually get like a little bit of like a little hurt about like somebody not liking a track or something that i yeah. think is amazing <laughs> yeah because <laughs> we're, we're just too emotionally attached to this stuff. that's right so that's like that that's the whole idea behind this like we're we're, we're kind of a different uh breed of of, of weirdos yeah. yeah
1: yeah well no we're definitely weirdos yeah i wonder i wonder how many of us are out there but they got to be out there so to all you weirdos thanks for thanks for listening it was a pleasure to be here thank you so much jamil this is awesome um, and I'm happy to uh, happy to do it again. If you ever want to, you know, break out and I don't know what you got, you know, theme wise up on the horizon, but holler at your boy. I know, I know you have you have other collabs lined up, don't you? I mean, I'm sure you do. I got a whole lot of nothing. You got a whole lot of lined up.
0: <laughs> That's they sometimes a lot of times these things just get birthed out of nowhere. To be honest. Oh uh, okay. Well, um, I have like I have a I have a running list, but yeah.
1: Seattle is fertile ground, so I'm sure you won't have any trouble. But, uh, yeah, for sure, man. I look forward to doing this again someday.
0: All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks again. Everyone, uh, you know, stick around for this final track. Uh, this is River of Gold by The Devil's Blood. I've, again, we're saving a, a real good one for the for the last. Please follow The Sonic Cloth on Instagram and, and all your podcast apps. I, I know we're on iTunes or whatever they're calling it now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, I think most of the other ones, but I, I couldn't verify that for you, to be honest. Um, but, you know, if you find us on there, leave a rating and review if you can, um, especially if you're digging what you're hearing. And yeah, we'll see you sooner than later for the next rabbit hole episode. Later,
1: folks. Bye.